0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to FNS Wrestling Podcast, episode 73. We are back in the basement to talk about some more wrestling. I am your host, and along with me is my teenage son and co-host, Jackson. Say hello, Jack. Hi. Say hello to the millions and millions of listeners.
1: Hi. <laughs> dozens the and dozens. Millions.
0: No, millions. Not quite.
1: Thousands.
0: Well, we are back for episode 73. We're going to tweak the format again this week, right? Because you didn't seem super interested in Watching another episode of Impact, so it's actually not yeah. happening today. If you're a, uh, if you're tuning into this to listen to us break down Impact, we're sort of taking a break from Impact this week. What are we replacing it with?
1: Um, not NXT.
0: No, I'm gonna talk about NXT 2.0 in my any other wrestling business quickly. But what did we replace for a more in-depth review?
1: NXT UK. Right,
0: NXT UK this week. Um, so that's what we're gonna try. We're just gonna see. Every week, I think we'll definitely do AEW Dynamite, right? And then we'll kind of see what else we feel like watching throughout the week. So this week, we unless thought we we'd... like,
1: turn... stumble on a regular thing.
0: Right. Unless we, yeah, find something we really liked. I mean, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but I enjoyed NXT UK this week. I don't know how you felt yeah. about it. But we'll get to that, I guess. But anyways, if you're a new listener, welcome. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you would like to contact us, I don't know if I've given our contact information out in the past few weeks. It's fnswrestling at gmail.com or FNS underscore wrestling underscore podcast on Instagram. Or if you're listening on YouTube, you can always just leave a comment there, and I promise I get back to everybody that reaches out to us on any platform. I will reply for sure, or Jack will if it's on Instagram, correct? Yes. So in our banter last week, we talked about how on Saturday night we were heading out to a party down the street, which was a much larger party than I had anticipated.
1: Yeah, I got there and almost instantly regretted it oh
0: god i was telling your mother because she didn't see it how funny it was and you handled it beautifully um so when we arrived there <laughs> you're because i didn't realize how many people would be there
1: i like my one friend was there like my good friend was there but I, was, was, I didn't even know like uh, and he was there i was like oh awesome and then there's just like everywhere something ridiculous is happening like, it's just <laughs> it was all over the place
0: so when we first showed up because we showed up a bit late what were we doing recording yeah yeah I think we were right yeah so we get there um, my wife and younger son were already there and everybody else was already there so we kind of walk in as the party's in full swing and Jackson just gets to the foyer of the house because when we walked in your one good friend was out there but he was also with a couple kids that aren't exactly your friends right so it was like I don't necessarily want to go out there. But then in the house, it was just teeming with little kids upstairs. So all the adults were downstairs in the basement. There's one room with a bar.
1: That's not necessarily interesting either. No,
0: of course not. In Adults. So (laughs) you just sat there frozen in the foyer, like deciding between the lesser of like three evils, right? Do I go outside with my buddy, but two other kids I don't enjoy? Do I stay in here with little kids who are going to annoy me or head down to the basement with the adults who are adults and lame? Yeah. So it, it was, was interesting. It's too much. It was a, it was fun. I mean, I stayed too late. You guys left before me. Yeah, no I, fair.
1: I, I had to go because mom made me go. Yeah, she is, was really no.
0: tired and wanted to get out of there. And I was, I was planning on staying quite late, but I came home. Yeah, I think well, like, me too, I was home before 1.30. Walked home, you know, the mean yeah. streets of our little town there at 1.30 in the morning. Yes. Made it home okay. But anyways, that was fun. Anything else you did exciting this week?
1: Uh, no.
0: No. We got to get you some new shoes, so we're finishing this recording and then heading out to the mall. Yeah, I got to get your mom. Six days
1: until No Way Home.
0: Oh, right. Is that...
1: Still, yes. Still excited and about I, that. on Monday... I'm it's funny, because
0: doing... for a second I went, No Way Home, what company's pay-per-view is that? And then I clued in. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, is I, that Ring of Honor? No. I
1: think it's on the 13th. I have to shut off social media, because i I did avoiding... hear that spoilers because i think my friend told me that's when the critic reviews are right. and like usually they're not supposed to spoil anything but can't take chances with this i one. heard on the fort
0: as of the 14th people will have seen the movie yeah i think, I think it was like 13th or 14th yeah i so just heard that today. i'm going
1: off 13th i think so you're so. gonna just
0: stop you so really you mr spoiler are gonna go off social media for no spoilers
1: this movie is important wow i guess Wrestling so. spoilers are not the same
0: maybe not yeah that's probably i don't wrestling spoilers don't really bother me that much either sometimes
1: so i i enjoy wrestling spoilers at some time at some points but yeah so i like and then i'm probably me and my one friend who i I, um so me and like three friends are gonna go see it on opening day yes and me and my other friend are gonna go um on the sunday after that so I don't know, for those who don't know, the movie comes out on Friday, so I'm going to go with a few friends that day. It's then, Spider-Man we're talking about, yes, by the way. Yes, a new Spider-Man movie. And then on Sunday, me and my friend are going to go see it a second time. Right. And then I successfully tricked my aunt into taking me on the 31st as well. So a lot I, of
0: plotting to get to this three times.
1: I am seeing this three times. I hope it's good. It I'm sure it will, will be. most definitely be worth it.
0: Excellent. And if it
1: isn't, then I get to be an idiot.
0: And our plan is to get to the mall and Christmas shop for your mom and get you some new shoes. Your feet keep growing.
1: Maybe get some of those Marvel thingy Majiggies.
0: We'll see what there is available. Speaking
1: of which, still got my advent calendar. Going.
0: Oh, right, your Lego advent calendar. Yeah. And your brother's amazing basketball. Oh, well, he finally calendar. got a basketball thing he today. He did actually get a basketball-related thing in his basketball calendar today. It's, so, it's
1: a Christmas miracle. Or
0: it is, because that's what the third or... F- actually, the first unique... Second unique one, because the others have been three of those keychains that are just different colors.
1: Which, I mean, I like those. But... Then a
0: whole bunch of non-basketball stuff. Right. And then a Kevin Durant, like, mini bobblehead or something today.
1: Yeah, it looks like... Yeah, it looks like um those... Those ones right there that you have on the shelf, but like smaller.
0: Right, it's pretty much what it looked like. So it's been kind of funny to see what non-basketball related thing he'll get every day in his basketball And then we alternate
1: days on a chocolate one. Right,
0: and then we generally give the little trinkets that aren't basketball to our friend who gives them to his daughter. Who's also
1: my geography teacher.
0: That is correct. Yeah, (laughs) shout out to Mr. Caravacillus on the podcast, right? (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, uh, I don't know, you want to get into talking about some wrestling? Sure. All right, well, our that first right. our first segment is going to be us talking about what's going on in the world of wrestling in terms of news and rumors. So, ratings-wise, Tuesday's live post-War Games edition of WWE NXT 2.0 drew 590,000 viewers. Is that up or down? What's your guess?
1: Down. <laughs> it's always going to be suck. your guess,
0: right? Down 7.37%. And earned a 0.11 rating in the key demographic. Up or down?
1: Uh, Down.
0: Down a whopping 27%. Ah. So this is the second lowest audience on the USA Network since the move to Tuesdays in April. Not a great week for NXT. Especially after, I'm sure they were hoping to gain some viewers after their first pay-per-view of the new era, right? With the war <laughs> game show. They
1: were hoping to gain viewers?
0: <laughs> but honestly, like... That's funny. Could you see anyone other than... The only people I see checking out this show are like hardcore WWE main roster fans and they might like it because it's of a similar sort of style now, but I Which can't... Which is an insult. I can't see any other wrestling fans checking this show out and going like, yes, this is what I want to watch, right? I can't see it happening. Right. So um, I don't know who's going to start watching this show if the ratings are just going to keep dropping. But anyways, I I'll talk about this week's episode a little bit later on and we'll see if it got any better in my opinion. It didn't. Um, So Wednesday's live AEW Dynamite drew 872,000 viewers, which is up a measly 1.28%. Earned a 0.33 in the key demographic, up 6.45%. So the audience is up this week, but it's still the third lowest audience on a Wednesday night since fans returned. And they have not broken the $1 viewer threshold in quite a while i think
1: they were doing that i think what was it july was like that golden month i think it was this year
0: so it seems like i don't know post full gear the numbers are down a little bit but still i mean i I don't know what they're happy with i always hope they get to a million but they have not been lately Mm -hmm. so then do you mind if i tack in raw's viewership this week because it made me laugh i'm
1: sure it's laughable yeah that's
0: why i threw it in here so their viewership is down from last week shocking right well So, their live WWE Raw drew an average of 1.6 million viewers and earned a 0.35. So, that's the ninth lowest audience ever. So, that's pretty low, but not crazy. Top 10 worst um, ratings ever. But the key demographic is, in fact, the lowest key demo rating in the history of the show. So, the exact audience that they are targeting and wanting to get are not interested in this garbage at all. And that makes sense to me, right? Because still... We don't watch the show, but I read and listen to a lot of reviews of it of people I trust and every week they are talking about how hard yeah, it I, is to get through this three hour abomination. You of remember
1: a show. the finish to Charlotte and Becky? Yes. So uh series, they yes. did like basically this a similar thing. I hear at, that's Becky's Raw.
0: new winning finish is basically to cheat right now. Right. Yeah, but anyway. So yeah, um, Raw is garbage and people aren't watching it. What do you have for us?
1: um well i'm the biggest news that um broke this week it's pretty huge um i I think a lot of people have been talking about it um lash legend debuted on 205 live last night wow in ring i will
0: you know what i will probably go and find that because i'm very yeah she beat armari miller and
1: that is because her crappy segment has been scrapped
0: right which i said to you was a a bit surprising because that's WWE maybe being a little bit self-aware and realizing that it's really really bad. Or
1: maybe they just really want her to wrestle.
0: Maybe like she could do both, right? It's yeah,
1: because like, like Miss TV, Highlight exactly. real, other stuff.
0: But her segments were terrible. I don't think necessarily because of her. I think she has some charisma. And and I think stuff, she but can. Suck. the segments were awful. So at, I guess marks for them for recognizing it was bad. If it really, if they really have gotten rid of it. But, anyways, I might check out that match just to see what she's capable I'm sure so it was.
1: Live, I was saying it's like NXT dark now. They
0: need to just get rid of that, call it something else, right? Like, I don't understand what they're waiting for, but it's not like that brand has any value at all. Right. They could just change the name at the drop of a hat and nobody would care or notice, probably, right? So, I'm not sure what they're doing. But, anyways, uh, from the world of Ring of Honor, one of my favorite ROH talents, Shane Taylor sort of spoke openly about the company. And what have I always said about them? I guess you weren't listening to my, when I used to do my solo missions, but I always said like, I don't know why they're not focusing on Shane Taylor and his group. They're really cool. Shane Taylor can talk. Like I'd realize they only have an hour of TV, but I would be featuring these guys. So anyways, uh, he talked about the company not really wanting to market himself or his group. According to him, quote, we are a strong black proud group but we aren't for everybody. There are people who are going to hear what I say and the things that I talk about and take them as negative instead of positive. There's a lot of people who did that when this first started. They didn't want to market it. They didn't want to promote it. They hated the idea. They thought it was bad for the company. This is not rumor. This is not hearsay. This is what I was told. Two years later, we've turned that around, right? So again, I think he's awesome. He feels really real to me when he cuts promos. Really real. Really real. Very real. So I, yeah, like I'm on record talking about how much I like Shane Taylor promotions and Shane Taylor specifically. He can talk, he can wrestle. He has some of the best forearms in the business. I know that sounds kind of lame, but his forearms are devastating and he has an awesome looking finisher. Uh, He, Moses and Khan, who were getting better every time I saw them, were a really cool, like imposing group that I thought was underused and I guess Shane Taylor agrees with me, right? I, I really hope he shows up somewhere that I already watch. And I hope he gets paid by somebody because I think he deserves it. He's awesome. I would love to see him show up. I don't know. I guess I say AEW, but maybe not. I uh, think
1: Impact would be Imp- I was speed. just going to say
0: Impact feels like a good fit for him, right? Uh, so he's cool, and I hope he gets a shot mm-hmm. somewhere. Anything else from you?
1: Um, As if we need more confirmation that he's on his way out. But Johnny Gargano and O'Reilly, were are seeing like, um champ and, and michaels came out to say goodbye after they were like hugging and doing all that right stuff and then also johnny gargano's got some new shirts up on w shop no on no, pro wrestling tees. i did
0: see that but i have a related news item to that maybe uh-huh. i should skip to that one yeah i'll come back sure. to the other one wwe expects johnny gargano and kyle o'reilly to return soon oh really dave Meltzer noted in the wrestling observer newsletter that both men are having children in early 2022 and while neither have signed new deals WWE is under the impression that they're just taking time off. So it doesn't mean it's true, right? That's WWE's interpretation. So oh, Gar- that's that's cute. Gargano is likely to wait uh, for his wife Candice to give birth in February before he does anything. But Meltzer did add that those in NXT are under the impression that Gargano and O'Reilly will be back. But it's noteworthy because they didn't sign new deals. And the, the theory is, at least Meltzer was saying, that those new deals would have included a time time off if they wanted it, right? Like if they said, we'll sign a new deal, but I don't want to start till March or whatever. If they just wanted the time off, they would have still signed. So I still don't think that this is anything confirmed, obviously. It's just WWE probably being hopeful, right? That these guys are coming back. I
1: have no faith at all that they would resign. Why would
0: they? Like, honestly. Exactly. I don't see any reason, even, so your options are, you sign and stay in NXT 2.0, which is garbage by you almost all accounts. You get like crap,
1: you don't get to wrestle.
0: Or you go to main roster where it's death for anyone from NXT, whether you're good or not, right? It doesn't matter. You're gonna be underused, you're gonna be released, you're gonna hate it. So I don't know, unless it's just Sheer like they throw money at these guys, and because candace is signed or whatever. The same. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the. And especially
1: are. for O'Reilly, like I think both of them would want to go there. But O'Reilly's also already got friends there, right? Right. Like he's. I. I know. I'm almost positive he's close with Fish and Cole, who are right. there, right? Like, yep. He it, probably knows like a lot of people And there, if the so. money
0: is at all comparable, how could you stay in WWE? Right. But anyways, anything else for you?
1: Um, and then obviously the real big news of the week was that WWE actually released Jeff Hardy. They did, indeed. Which came off of the back of him apparently being sent home from a house show after looking uh, rather sluggish, let's <laughs> sluggish, say. Sluggish,
0: quote unquote, yeah. Um, yeah. He was
1: reported, this is, like I would say take this bit with a grain of salt, but he was reportedly offered rehab and refused, refused it. Refused, right. So I don't know how true that is, but that's just the reports. And then apparently the past few weeks have been rough for Jeffrey.
0: And apparently Matt Hardy released some cryptic tweet suggesting possibly Team Extreme being in AEW or something. I, I would like to think AEW won't touch Jeff Hardy until he right. has People completed some like, sort of like, oh, rehab. People keep
1: saying, like, Jeff should be, go to AEW because he's been, like, he's a legend and he's underused. He's, and I hate the whole notion that he's always been being underused in WWE because right. he's just not. Like, his his time was, like, what, I would say, nine, I don't know how many years ago it would have been, but, like, late 2000s. and yes. Yeah. Just not that anymore. Well,
0: and also, I don't agree with him being underused because if you can't trust this guy to show up sober for a main event, right? right that's like, my
1: thing. Like, obviously, like he, he's he hasn't had many issues up until now for a while, but like it's he just has so in unpredictable. The past. Right.
0: So, at what point does a company go? We can't push you right. the way. Right.
1: And with AEW, like, there's so many great talents they could sign. Like, they still haven't. I'm surprised they still haven't gone Keith Lee. I'm not sure if he's still got his whatever his issues were. But, like, and they, they'd be far better off snapping up O'Reilly and Gargano if they want to. Yes. And, like, I just don't see any practical use for Jeff Hardy. Like, I think Matt Hardy's already doing crap enough. Right. Like, I don't think we need the other Hardy there. And then... If there's even any chance of those issues resurfacing again, right?
0: Like why AEW
1: not that kind of company?
0: I agree, and I hope that they they and stay strong. in I that. If, it, and if he gets the help he needs, I hope him, he does, Then fine, but yeah, me too. Of course, I still Always. don't
1: want him in AEW regardless. But like, if WWE didn't got rid of him for his issues, what makes you think AEW would take him? Right. Yeah, I'm not. But I'm. I, don't I think, think it's so. definitely surprising, but at the same time, not. And he is surprising. still
0: really over. Like at Survivor Series, he was one of the biggest babyface reactions on that show, right? So. I mean, the fans still are interested in this guy. He just needs to figure out what's going on. I am only sad
1: out. about him leaving because now I don't get any more figures of him with face paint. Right.
0: That is true. My last news item is that I'm not the only one not interested in Wrestle House because the post turning point Wrestle House 2 Thanksgiving edition, that was two hours of Wrestle House, drew 48,000 viewers, which I heard was a record low. Since they've been on Access TV in 2019, and scored a whopping (laughs) 0.01 in the demographic. Like you can't go lower than that, unless they want to go into like thousands and give them a 0.001 or something. But so yeah it's almost like an entire two-hour wrestling show full of lame comedy and supernatural shenanigans isn't a good idea who could have thought that who could have pre- predicted that right
1: uh, i don't think anyone did so
0: i feel vindicated in not finishing watching it because apparently nobody else did either. it
1: definitely seems like they're going like um because it seems last week everyone's like oh we're all back from wrestle house like it's almost as if like that was the the wrestle house because i feel like maybe normally that two hours would have been spread across like a a couple couple months months, or something right right? so and i didn't watch it this week i
0: may check it out tonight or something if i have some time but i'm uh,
1: thinking maybe they just like got it out of the way there and just to do something for thanksgiving because maybe then um uh wrestlers were already preoccupied and that's something you can just tape right yeah because it could have
0: been in the can as they say and they just throw it out there but it was awful i watched about half hour a bit more of it and i couldn't do it anymore And that was in a couple sittings going back to it. Mm -hmm. Any other news from you? Uh, No. All right. Well, that's going to bring us into our first in-depth weekly review. And that is taking a look at this week's AEW Dynamite. So I was hoping for a bit of a rebound for Dynamite this week because I haven't loved the past two weeks. Not that they still weren't enjoyable, but just by AEW standards, right? I think I was like B minus and B or something. So that's... Below their average for me, so I was hoping for a rebound this week for it.
1: Mhm. Um. So we open with CM Punk. Coming we sure out, do. But he comes out to MJF's team. and gets booed hard. Booed hard, actually. Um, as they are in MJF's hometown of Long Island, right. New York. Um, and he says Chicago is so much louder. And he says they don't disappoint, unlike MJF. And he has a. He reveals he is wearing a four pillars. A AEW shirt yeah but with Burt Baker replacing MJf I like
0: that they went as far as to have a t-shirt made with <laughs> with Mjf off of it and Baker right. in right so I thought that was funny
1: um he says he praised Baker because of her accomplishments but MJF made about other things um he says he challenged MJF to fight but MJF ran he says the Islanders beat IOL which is like him being QT and he asked if um he asks MJF if this is what he wants He says he is taken aback that MJF is their guy and he isn't mad at them, but he feels sorry for them. He says he thinks MJF and him have to settle this before. One of them goes for the AEW title and he says he has tried to get him in the ring, but MJF has ran. He proposes they settle in and doesn't want to see Wardlow or Spears or FTR. He says he wants MJF one-on-one He doesn't want him to run like they do in Long Island. Uh, He says he wants him versus MJF and he will do it tonight even though he doesn't think MJF would agree to it. He says, if they back MJF, they're all chicken crap.
0: Right. Uh. Yeah, I think Punk seemed to be having a lot of fun here, right? And I like the AEW embraces the crowd cheering the heel and kind of leans into it, right? Rather than the WWE making excuses for it like they do. Like, oh, this is Bizarro World. Or do you know what I mean? AEW, I think it's further evidence that AEW assumes their fans have brains, right? Like, we understand... MJF's in his hometown he's still a mega heel but they're gonna cheer for him because he's their guy and AEW sort of plays into that where WWE assumes their fans are stupid and try and bend over backwards to explain why these fans aren't following the plan right like they've gone rogue and they're it's bizarro world uh so Punk is basically in this case just treating the crowd as an extension of MJF right and he's free to rip them insult the local sports teams and their town and make it entertaining for TV I thought um I mean, maybe a slight criticism is it went a bit longer than I thought it could have. And I thought the first half of it was stronger than the last. But I still enjoyed this overall, especially considering I'm the guy that always wants a match to start out the show. But I thought this was an entertaining segment.
1: Yeah, I thought it was one of the better punk promos. It was cool how they leaned into MJ's hometown booing punk and almost felt like a bit of heel punk, which I kind of like. And at least it differentiated himself um, from punk's other promos pretty well. And it was a solid start to the show. I mean, I don't think it was quite as good as the, um some of the other opening segments that we've gotten in past weeks, but I think it was still good. But
0: my worry was this this feud being overexposed, right? And this was nice because it had a different feel to it because Punk was almost heel-ish, or at least just mocking the crowd and stuff, right? So it felt different to some of the other ones where MJF's playing that role, right? So I liked it too.
1: Yeah. And so next we get an MJF package, an introduction package, as next will be the Battle royal um he talks about a hero and if you don't think mjf is a hero you aren't from long island which is true um he says the perspective of people from long island is that he is a hero and then his compliments are less off and it ends with the catchphrase and i definitely did not do this justice so i would try to find it if i were you whoops um and it was totally in line with mjf's character yep. i think it was uh, the closest comparison i could make was Omega's entrance from, like, when he first turned heel. Oh, with yeah. the big interaction. Where they do the big rundown. I, I, miss, credentials. I still miss that. That was a fun entrance. They
0: are. Uh, yeah, I thought this was funny in a nice contrast to, like, Punk's opening segment, right? I laughed at, like, because you have this very professional-sounding voiceover guy using some of MJF's phrases. Like, for me, the one that made me laugh was him calling people mids, right? <laughs> Which, in a professional voiceover, just tickled me a little bit. And then, like, we honestly learn about some of MJF's actual athletic background and some of his credentials, which I thought was a cool touch, too, because I like reality in my wrestling, so learning a bit of it. Because he was, what, um, a highly decorated football player? And was there amateur wrestling in there, too? I forget, but I anyways. feel like there might have been. So, yeah, I thought this was a, a pretty cool video and a nice response to Punk's live in-ring opening.
1: Yeah, um, and then with that leads us right into his, en- his entrance for the Diamond Diamond Battle Royal, um and i'm i'm just gonna be covering mostly eliminations and, and so mi-
0: the story of this is mjf's going for his third consecutive win in this tournament right or, or battle like royale royal. sort
1: of. it's basically like a small battle royal i think it's like die my dozen so it's like 12 maybe that is a dozen yeah but i don't know if they <laughs> actually have 12. i think it was um and then the final two face off in a one-on-one match the Uh, next week right which will be winter is coming because winter is winter
0: is coming and hey you could get an o'reilly or gargano because they don't have to wait anything right because their contract ran out so i'm hoping one or both i'm
1: almost positive at least gargano is free because of the pro wrestling tees i'm not sure about o'reilly i i feel like his contract's up soon at least
0: it is and if you're not released then your contract's just over you can go to wherever you want whenever you're
1: released then i there's the 30
0: days for nxt
1: uh, I want to say so, yeah. Or, I think usually. And then yeah, I think 90 90 days, for main roster, right. Um, and then I think it's like if you just wait it out, then You're it's, free it's to over, go. right? Because so, you
0: completed your contract. They can't hold right. any power over you.
1: So the first elimination elimination was Wardlow tossing out Lee Moriarty. And then Seidel got eliminated, but I missed who got him. Like Yeah, there was, really uh, this showing. moved really quickly. I think quickly. it was Wardlow maybe, but because yeah. Wardlow's facing Seidel next week for some reason. Right, that so. would probably make sense then. Uh, Matt Hardy eliminates Jay Lethal, but then Dante Martin takes out Hardy. Uh, Rush and Martin have a standoff, but get taken out by Hobbs and Wardlow, respectively, who then have the Haas fight. After a battle between Hobbs and Wardlow, Rush takes out Hobbs, and MJF taunts in the corner to the crowd with Wardlow just standing in front of the yeah. corner, which was, I thought was kind of funny. He's just yep. like guarding MJF while he's being MJF. Um, Rush and Lee Johnson try to eliminate Wardlow, and MJF tosses them all out. Um, so it's kind of like... To further tease that,
0: right? There's always these little breadcrumbs of Wardlow and MJF, and you're just waiting for it to come to a head, and I really like it. So far, not, but this is just one more thing in the series.
1: Yeah. Um, and then MJF low-bridges Kaz out of the match, um, and then the final three is MJF and Team Taz's Dante Martin and Ricky Mm Starks, until Dante Martin suddenly turns on Starks and eliminates him. What? And... Is, I was very confused yeah. by this. But and anyways. then uh, it will be MJ versus Dante Martin next week, which I think is a really interesting match. Yeah, me uh, too. Match. Yep, and then Starks so beats too. up Martin as MJ leaves. And then I, I love this. Um, MJ thinks about coming down. He's kind of like. Uh, I don't know, like, thinking it through. And then he just, he bowls to the ring, like, super fast. Yes. And he pretends to face off with Starks and almost looks real for a second. And then he just, like, drops down and starts pounding on Martin until CM Punk comes to chase them off. Yeah, so he so teases, like, a little funny.
0: bit of faceness in front of his hometown crowd and then just flips right back to <laughs> beating a guy that's already down. Which makes sense, because he's going to be facing him, ne- is it next week? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not really a fan of Battle Royals in general. I find, like, there's just too many people and nobody can do anything really cool But A, because it's only a dozen, it's not so crowded. And B, this one moved really quickly, right? So I didn't have much of a problem with it. The ring, as I said, was less crowded. And um, so you had people like Sidal at the beginning was actually doing a whole bunch of stuff, right? Which doesn't usually happen in Battle Royals because there's just no room. I
1: thought you were going to say it doesn't usually happen for Sidal. No. Uh,
0: (laughs) I assume this will lead to Hardy facing Lethal because it seemed like they were starting something out there. And Martin facing members of Team Taz. Uh, I thought the MJF Which
1: there's not a lot.
0: Face tease was funny, but I'm super confused about Team Taz and Dante Martin. Can we talk about this? What's going on here?
1: Yeah, so I'll kind of I'll talk about that match quick and then I'll kind of get into that, but cuz I thought this was fine. It was short. It was far from like the large battle royals which yeah. I, I kind of prefer just cuz like it's more fun when there's more eliminations to be had. Um AEW doesn't do many of these battle royals, so I'm okay with them more Um, And like the Casino Battle Royal is the only one, other one I can think of, which is just a modified Royal Rumble more so. Yeah. Um, I thought MJF accidentally losing Wardlow was good, and the finish bit was kind of cool as well. But other than that, nothing super interesting. I don't really get why Martin turned on Team. Yeah, this is what I I want. Focus on. I'm thinking it's maybe a con by him and Rush. I guess they planned this for the Battle Royal. Really? Just for that? Like. I I, I guess because now he almost now he's in the final two. That's the only
0: thing I'm seeing, but that's a lot of front end legwork to get
1: I mean they only signed it what two weeks ago so right. it's not like
0: so I, I don't know. I was confused by this. It seems kinda silly that they're pulling a swerve because he literally signed a contract with them, has done nothing with them since. And then the first chance he gets, he turns on them. Right? So I and I think Leo Rush is a baby face now, right? So I this Almost feels like WWE levels of how fast they've moved through this story, and I feel like they skip steps um, with it. I trust
1: them to maybe explain it. That's the only. Yes, thing me too. That's different. So I I I want to see at least how they can explain it.
0: But yeah, I thought this was a nice quick match. They could have dragged this on, right? And I'm fine with an MJF Dante Martin match out of this. And I'm wondering if like Wardlow could somehow cost MJF the 3 threepeat, but I don't know if they're ready to spin off into a. Because he's still, MJF's still involved with CM And Punk I don't really
1: see point. the need for the ring other than MJF's cheat code. You right.
0: Know? And I think MJF just winning it every year is something that's kind of cool, too. Yeah. Right. Because I don't think the ring helps Dante Martin at all. I don't all, think it
1: helps anybody.
0: But it's kind of cool. Well, MJF uses it to cheat a lot. No, right? that's so, what
1: I'm saying. Anybody other than MJF. Right.
0: So I assume MJF wins it again, and I'm I'm fine with that unless they are looking to get the Wardlow situation. Did he situation even do it in
1: 2019? This was the third. Did ones, he what? Right? This, this, this was the third one. Right? Yeah,
0: he's the only one that's won it so far.
1: No, I'm just trying to think of last year as the first or the second.
0: Second. Almost positive. Yeah. That he's had so the good. ring two years in a row. Look at me knowing things that you don't in wrestling. What's wrong? Things have, The balance of power has shifted, and I know everything now.
1: Let's wait till the next segment. Let's, <laughs> good point. Um. Next, we get an 8-man tag, Jurassic Express, and the Varsity Blondes versus the Acclaimed and 2.0 Yeah. in a frenzied multi-man tag match <laughs> that
0: is a fair description
1: um some notables i took from the match were like a big dive over the top onto the pile <laughs> by garrison the pile
0: of humanity that was a huge <laughs> dive he yeah he's a really like lanky guy but he can jump really high mm-hmm. not quite dante um, the martin
1: the clean but... stomp on pillman in the corner as jeff parker of 2.0 just shouting at him he's right just in his like, face ah, right ah, <laughs> yeah every time they're funny which i thought was really funny um a pretty nice single like drop kick by parker for two uh, another point in the match A sharp kick to the face to cut off a hot tag for Pillman by Bowens, like really sharp. Bowens is good,
0: man. I like him now.
1: We get a sequence where everyone's just hitting something that someone else. (laughs) True. Uh, We did. And Eddie Kingston comes to take out an interfering Daniel Garcia, and then the finish comes when Caster misses his mic drop elbow and gets caught in the snare trap from Jungle Boy for the win. And after the match, I thought this was kind of odd. Kingston goes backstage, and it's kind of funny. He's yelling a lot, but the it's just not being picked up. Like the sound's not being picked up. And then Ortiz is just trying to calm him down, but then gets embroiled in a brawl and Garcia in 2.0 attack.
0: Yeah, so a, a lot of stuff going on in this, right? Ortiz was wearing the
1: face paint for some reason.
0: Yeah, I thought this was a really fun eight-man tag match Um, with that, how you described it, that particularly entertaining flurry where everybody did something to somebody, right? I thought that was a really cool um, sequence right before the end. And honestly, the Accla- Acclaimed continue to impress me. They're like an up-and-coming tag team. They're really... Like, polished, young, heel tag team. I think they do really nice heel work specifically. And I think, like, they're ready to be elevated whenever AEW decides to move them up the ranks, right? Because,
1: I mean, their entrance, I just, like, that's... Their character work is set.
0: It's, they're good. Uh, and Jungle Boy's Snare Trap is being well protected, I think, because he got a quick tap here at the end of this. The brawl afterward, I thought, made 2.0 look a little bit stronger again, because they're kind of establishing them as not just like comedy right they're actually sort of vicious and capable as well so it likely we're heading towards like a match with Kingston and Santana or an Ortiz maybe I
1: sign me up oh which ooh, I'm fine oh,
0: with oh,
1: oh oh parking lot brawl too
0: right so I'd be totally fine that, with that. totally works yep. book
1: it AW book it listen to me now book it yep I would love that so much and then they get to wear their face paint again even that though is Ortiz true. is wearing I don't and man know. is
0: ortiz in crazy shape now like i wasn't he even his sure like, it was hair him is first. like trimmed and whatnot
1: yeah. but like i don't, I, I don't know why he was, he was wearing face paint he didn't even wrestle on the show just to like, be cool save the face it he is just cool. wears it that's in right. life now That is fair. it is cool <laughs> that that's that's a fair point um it was pretty much what i expected which isn't a bad thing there were some great spots here particularly some of the strikes were just crisp as they hell were. like it was You're weird right. Um, I'm always happy to see the claims entrance again. And I feel like them teaming 2.0 just seemed like a great team. Like just, yeah, they're so similar. This took know? me
0: back to remember what week after week they were having these really fun multi-man yeah, openers. Yeah, yeah. That's what this kind of felt like. That me.
1: was like, it feels like so long ago, but I feel like it was only like tail end of last year or something. Yeah.
0: It was like every opener well, was like it was a, a, year ago. a hot six man tag or something. Right? It was
1: like the 12 man tag one week, but like it was always I remember it was like, that was a, that was a fun time.
0: It just yeah, it was just a fun way to start the show every week, and this was a fun match.
1: Mm-hmm. The finish was pretty textbook, but I still liked it, and I I would have liked this as the opener personally.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Uh, it would have made sense. To um,
1: me. next again, FTR backstage promo. Totally says FTR were once a tag champion, will be again, which I highly doubt because AEW the only, heh, the only two time champion in AEW. You want to guess who it is?
0: The only two time champion in AEW. Uh uh lucha bros i don't know Who? cody oh cody obviously <laughs> of course he is
1: um he says they have beaten lucha bros three times which i don't know how accurate that is but sure i guess they beat him outside
0: so, of that promotion too right they beat them in AAA. a beat
1: him for the triple tag titles. and yeah. beat him on triple a that's right but then I it's a know, good match that no, wasn't amazing i, I like they beat it. them last week or no because that was for the titles right yeah or was it i don't remember i don't know I don't watch Rampage. Memories are hard. Um, <laughs> memories are hard. That, that, that well said. You can quote me on
0: that.
1: <laughs> uh, that that would be a nice like uh funny shirt if you, <laughs> if we ever get a merch shot that would yeah. be a funny shirt. Um, Cash says Lucha Bros have never actually beaten them and never will, and they'll never they will take their rightful spots at the top. Um, Dax says Friday night is the biggest night of their career, and they will be the first ever two-time AEW Tag Team Champions.
0: They will not. They will not. Because we saw that match most of I thought it was pretty good, but um yeah. I thought this was a standard promo. It was fine. I already wanted to see the match no matter how many times I see it. I know you're kinda getting
1: Yeah, like I, some
0: fatigue on the As great matchup. as it's been,
1: but like not only does it feel like these guys have been wrestling a lot, but it feels like it's been like they they've been hitting the spam button. There's the dynamite, there's full gear, there was triple A thingy thing. Yes. There's Rampage, there's Dynamite and Rampage. I don't like it's just too much. Like I think it they it's great and all, but like like especially some of the normal matches just it's feeling like a bit of a blur
0: and they have so many tag teams they can use to switch things up right it's not like wwe where there's like three actual tag teams i don't
1: know if it's because it's been a lot on rampage but the lucha bros tag tile run has been like not what i expected well because they
0: just keep defending against the same team so far right it'd be nice if they start having a run and defending other okay. like
1: Men of the Year aren't doing anything important.
0: Give a claim to shot even. I they to already did that. Just oh they did right. Yeah
1: sorry, sorry. Ran- see rampage see right. see you don't want rampage so and I like, think, and I don't did rampage. I hear
0: Jack Evans and Helico are gone?
1: Oh uh, no. I think
0: they are. I could no, be wrong.
1: But they should. They were gonna be five time champs.
0: Was something about they didn't renew Evans and I think and I I, don't, I could but, I think I came across. But, but that then
1: Angelico somewhere. can't do his cool dance. I know thing. I enjoy Helico a lot. Yeah. Jack Evans
0: whatever but Helico is cool.
1: almost as good as the acclaim
0: anyways i thought this was a standard promo it was fine i'm fine with seeing them wrestle again
1: you i'm missing helico now
0: yeah i know he's uh, cool
1: yeah they need to give men in the year title shot okay i would even gladly take them as next champions too yeah because that just makes sense and uh the fact that they are occupied with other things let's just say makes me sad
0: yeah that's coming up
1: yes um I thought it was a solid promo from these guys. Um if this match is made, which it was. I'd rather on um, Winter's coming, which is not. Um but whatever cause, but the feud is feeling a little played out to me, which I don't which just feels odd cuz it's Luchas Frozen FTR, but yeah. it just feels played out.
0: I'm always uh, you always know it's going to be a quality match, but it is kind of like we've seen this a lot now, right? So they could probably move on. You're yeah, not wrong. Yeah,
1: I want to say it's like five or six times in the past month or two. Yeah, feels a bit right. just feels
0: and like if it were WWE, I'd be all over them about it. But the fact is, these the match quality here is so much higher that but it's, it's a little more a, forgiving. It's yeah. less of a concern to me. Yeah, if it was
1: WWE, I'd be like probably straight off, straight up pissed off. But oh yeah, because
0: like, that's their thing right now is these feuds linger and they wrestle five, six, seven times in a row, right? Or
1: choose partners in a tag match or something dumb.
0: But they are not nearly as good because just because of the style is not what I prefer. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: next we get, um, probably one of my favorite parts of the show Mm -hmm. um which i didn't think i would have been saying but Mm -hmm. uh the young bucks with adam cole adamander cole versus (laughs) adamander rocky romero and chuck taylor is there like a charles charles taylor there we go charles the butler
0: and rock tholomew i don't know (laughs) (laughs) rock
1: tholomew nice and then you got nicholas and matthew jackson right of course uh, is there, like, a long one for Wheeler Yuda? Uh, no, because Wheeler's not really a, a normal name. No, it's not. But we could make one up, I'm sure, <laughs> if I were prepared. The Rock me. That was so quick, too. Just, that's so weird. Um, <laughs> Rock Follow <but>, you? Yes. <laughs> um, this was a pretty entertaining TV tag. Um notables were, like, there's an early back and forth between Nicholas and Rock Um a suicide dive by Rocky Romero. And then he hits uh gets hit with the wrecking ball dropkick from Matthew. Um Romero fights back against the Bucks of Youth and makes a tag to Chucky T who gets a flurry on the Bucks Matt Drapes Chuck from the apron and Nick hits a swanton to him, like that move that they usually do. And then they do it in the ring as well. Yeah, they did it twice in a row. Uh Cold decides to pump kick orange Cassidy after Nick misses a kick on him, which th- I thought that was pretty nice to do. That was mm-hmm. a nice thing to do. It was. Um, Nick hits a slingshot X Factor to Romero, um, and then misses a moonsault to Chuck and eats defeat. Uh-huh.
0: Oh, that was on the floor, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: Eat defeat. Yep. Um, Cassidy hits Cole with the kicks of doom until Nick super kicks him. Uh, Matt accidentally gets hit with the cold spray and then a pile driver from Chuck for two. And the finish comes when Matt a uh, pump handles Romero into a tombstone position, so then they can hit the Meltzer Driver for the win, which I thought was pretty nice. It and was then a nice one. The super quick attack afterwards, um, but then, the minivan shows up. Uh, well, Yuda comes down to but gets taken out too. Panama storms to Cassie and the van. Yes, comes out and Trent is back looking like Thomas Latimer and
0: a Blade. smaller version, but yeah, yeah, shredded with short hair now.
1: Yeah, which looks dumb.
0: Latimer, that's the that's the match I stopped. Bram. I didn't quite get to that on the Yeah. Trent is, used to have good hair. Hard times. Why can't Why I do I you keep forgetting? I keep wanting to say turning point, but it's <laughs> definitely I can't remember hard times too. <laughs> N- for some NWA
1: reason. turning point. That's um weird. but yeah, so he just looks kinda weird, but Trent is back. He spears the crap out of cutler and then he takes does. out uh Matt too, takes out Cole and Nick, and uh, he hit Nick with a half and half suplex. Um, what did you think of the match? I thought it was a really,
0: really entertaining fast-paced tag match. Um, I'm sorry, Chuck Taylor, but you look like a really boring wrestler, right? But he almost always impresses me because he's just kind of this bigger, bland-looking guy. He's not in great shape, but he's so smooth in the ring. I thought Rocky Romero looked really good too, especially near the end of this and I mean, obviously, there was no chance that Romero and Taylor are winning this match, but I still found Romero it.
1: think Romero could join the best friends, like t- just Taylor and Trent, and they could be the Rapongi friends.
0: Rapongi friends. I thought <laughs> like a really strong TV tag match and a nice Meltzer driver to win because sometimes
1: they don't use that a lot. It's been a lot of BTE triggers, I feel like.
0: And sometimes it doesn't look like Nick is adding any impact. This to one them. was this nice. This one did. Yeah. I agree. I
1: forgot to mention that, but yeah, this one was nicer than usual. The
0: post-match stuff was more of the usual beatdown things, but at least it led to a return Return of a guy that i'm happy to see back because Trent has been is,
1: out for too long he's been out a really like i feel long like he was time. back for like a little bit and then he was just gone again
0: and he looks great um and they looked he looked good here taking out the elite which is a strong return for him again i don't this feud is a little bit like Trent the young bucks stepping back a lot to face this group, that's fair but, though
1: they've been on like yeah. a tear for the past year
0: but the matches coming out of it should be really good and i've thought mm-hmm. this one was
1: um, I thought it was, yeah, a really good match. Um, Some cool spots and sequences. There were a couple times I thought Chaos might actually win. There's some nice near falls. <laughs> Silly boy. Um, <laughs> um I kind of liked that they used uh, uh, Meltzer Driver because I feel like we haven't seen that in a while. And I was actually kind of hoping in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, it'd be kind of cool if Trent returned. Because Romero and Taylor are both like were or are both partners of Trent. And then he actually did. So I thought that was kind of cool because I didn't really think he actually would. So that's nice. And because he is, I, bl- I think he's the best, best friend uh yeah he's
0: probably like he's he's kind of boring personality wise and stuff but he's pretty awesome in the ring yeah he's
1: the best of the best friends
0: (laughs) the bestest friend would you say yes he's the bestest friend there you go i
1: would like him and taylor maybe just to have like a one-off tag title shot even because i I always thought they were pretty a good tag team they are parking lot brawl still holds up
0: great match yep
1: um next we get a ruby soho interview yeah (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um (laughs) <laughs> and if you want to make things better, you know what you can do? You can interject Bunny and Penelope Ford. You sure can. <laughs> um, Bunny says Rose promised her in Ford title shots when she wins the tournament. Um, so them and Niall face Soho and two people on Rampage. They mock Soho for having no friends, who stupidly tries to attack them and then gets blindsided by Niall Rose. Rose. Um, this is fine. Kind of an odd <laughs> alliance, but I think, it at, I think of it as much much lesser version of the Morrissey Moose thing from Impact. Right,
0: where they're just... It's a working relationship, not friends.
1: Oh, I think this one's not really going to come to fruition.
0: Right. Oh, maybe. Yeah, that one didn't very long either. I thought it felt kind of lazy. Like a lazy way to get Nyla and Bunny and Penelope on a team. Um, And P-mo- Bunny and Penelope in this, for me, this is insulting. I apologize to them. But it felt to me like they were auditioning for NXT at this point. Like 2.0. <laughs> with just how... I don't know, something about the <laughs> over-the-top or the way they did it. I didn't really like it. <laughs> um, and I'm going to make a general thing. I think Ruby Soho has been kind of underwhelming for me since she arrived, right? She hasn't... I think
1: she had that good match with Stylander. Like, I like that match. Me too. And then...
0: But she hasn't stood out really in any aspect to me. Like, character-wise, promo-wise, in-ring's been solid, but nothing like... they like a, like they hyped her coming right like i don't know she's been kind of underwhelming for me she's been solid but like nothing more than that so this i didn't really love this segment it seemed like they just wanted to throw something together so they did
1: yeah that is what they did yeah uh next we get a sam Guevara interview on the stage um tony says yes Guevara is still a tnt champion he has met everyone is open challenge who has he not met? Let's see who's coming out. Oh all my god. All in black. It is Cody Rhodes. What a surprise. He gets booed very much.
0: Very he nice. says
1: he wants to side Sammy and he says on Christmas Day, of course, on Christmas Day, because, wait, on Christmas Day. It's a gift Day, to
0: all of us to see Cody. Christmas you know, Day is a Saturday. Gift I'm of all.
1: confused. Does he mean Christmas Eve? Because that'd be Rampage. Yeah,
0: I guess. I don't know.
1: And maybe just, Cody's just dumb. Um his open challenge has been filled as he is facing Cody.
0: Woohoo. Yep.
1: Yeah. And then he fakes going in the heel tunnel but then goes in the face he tunnel. He did.
0: He head faked us up the heel tunnel just to sort of just to be a stinky poo. And this is why I think he knows he's a heel. Right? He's a delusional heel who thinks he's a face and that's a new character. I he's, feel he's like. He's a reverse heel. He he knows it, right? But he his character is delusional right. about it. Or yeah, something. He's I don't know.
1: Being, or like Either his character's delusional or his character's doing it on purpose. Like, he knows he's a heel, so he's not being healed to be a heel.
0: You're wearing all black. You're challenging a a baby face. You tease going up the heel tunnel. Like, it's all sort of... I do like
1: the the separate tunnels now, because it leads for stuff like this.
0: And just teasing the fans like that is a heel move, right? So it's kind of this, like, like we've talked about it, like this meta heel character. It's kind of interesting.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. But, I, I, yeah, I like the whole, like, reverse heel thing. And then Ethan Page laughs, like, kind of a cackle or something.
0: Up in the upper deck up in, somewhere.
1: Up in the stands. And says, so, of course, Cody gets the title match and skips the line. Right. He says he had to jump through hoops and uh, to get a shot. And there's no open challenge. But he might get a shot quicker if he was an ass-kissing EVP. Right. Boom, roasted. Because
0: he's in the top five, right, and can't get a shot.
1: And then... He decides to make things worse yes. he says dan lambert got him a shot and dan lambert is coming back yeah that
0: wasn't true. I, I mean if dan La- dan lambert comes alone i'm less concerned no because... i don't
1: even want him to come back at all because that'll probably mean his mma me hits come back and these two can speak for themselves they sure can uh scorpio sky says sammy faces everyone except the guys in the top five and he says tony should give um sammy balls instead of an interview Ooh. and sammy should step up to the plate and actually be a fighting champion
0: Yeah, I like their interruption, uh, and I think they did a good job. They're both good talkers, especially Ethan Page. He's top notch, but I don't know how. My general thing is, how are you feeling about Guevara as a babyface? I don't think he's very doing a great job. Like I don't know what's so babyface about him, other than he he faces heels. Uh, He's just, and I thought he would be right. I thought he would be once he
1: because he was getting great reactions. Right,
0: so I feel like it's kind of not so much there, but. I, I
1: think they definitely need to work on it or revert back to Spanish God Heal. Right. Um, But I thought this was fine. Cody coming in was random. I don't really want him to face Guevara, but I can hope that he puts Guevara over and then turns heel yes, fully. Yes, that would be a
0: quality win for Guevara for sure. I
1: swear to God, if he becomes a three-time TNT champion before anybody else has won a title twice, I will lose my crap
0: i heard someone describe cody and i apologize because i don't know who it was on another podcast i think where they said and i think it's perfect that cody believes that he is like a generational talent like he's not no, omega but he's not. omega is the right. generational talent like he's kind of at that level right like he's a he's a roman reigns or he's a whatever and he's not right like unfortunately he's just not um, but he believes he is, and he wants to present himself as though he is, and he Even is not.
1: he's literally being upstaged by one of the other EVPs, right. maybe all of the other EVPs, right? Not a generational, a generational tag team. Um, I would they like Guevara to also face Scorpio Sky, because he already did take on Page, and yeah. I think Scorpio Sky is good too, but just give them the tag titles already, god damn it. <laughs> um, I am not at all thrilled about Dan Lambert returning, I thought American Top Team was gone, and that old geezer was also gone, but nope not gone i guess so he gets heat yeah, so yeah. they'll
0: bring him back i just hope he comes alone
1: it i and hope, tones it down a tiny bit i hope bit. he actually goes away yeah um next we get a jade cargo thunder rosa package uh rosa says cargo is corrupted by money and cargo says they get paid by the match um rosa says cargo doesn't have the guts or ability to beat her and she has no respect and then cargo says it's her show and rosa says that will not be enough to stop her from becoming tbs champion
0: Yeah, I thought this was like kind of the standard thing they've done for a lot of these tournament matches. I thought it was good enough, but it leads me to wonder, right? Where do they go with this? Because I feel like Thunder Rosa is the stronger competitor and whatever, and should probably win. Cargill's
1: been undefeated. I feel like
0: this whole thing is for Cargill to get this championship. So, I if. The plan is to have Cargill somehow beat Rosa. I'm wondering what that looks like, and I think it would have to be shenanigans, hopefully, to keep Thunder Rosa looking strong. Because I really
1: think Rosa should win the tournament, actually, because I feel like you that's do. just better for her. Like I don't know. I feel like Cargill's good and all, but like I just, I just don't feel think like she's that polished.
0: This she's not. But I think this is like a secondary title, and I think Thunder Rosa's at the top tier title level. Yeah, but Cargill's I don't not. think
1: anyone's being Baker anytime soon. So I think this is maybe like a could be true an occupy a thing to keep her occupied perhaps i i see them as uh, the two you could be right. leading contenders i would personally rather rosa because i think that just results in better title matches moving forward it and would. Then maybe when rosa is more ready to move up or when the timing is right she drops the title to cargill or something
0: yeah and this, I don't. I
1: don't see it being too long. I could see her getting in a decent rain before going up to Baker.
0: This match interests me a little bit only because you have really experienced and polished Thunder Rosa taking on really inexperienced. And, it's and it's raw. the first one where it's really Jade hard Cargill. to tell who's winning. Yeah. Right? You're right. Like
1: I feel like most of the time it's like fairly easy to tell. Yeah. Like Soho Rose. Nyla Rose it'll be like it. that's Soho right like yes most there, of the matches has been pretty easy to and tell
0: Jade's been really protected and is undefeated and there's all this talk about how she has to be rookie of the year right and stuff like that so it seems like they want to keep that image going so I, I don't know where they're going with this either but I'm kind of interested just to see like I'm not sure it's going to be a great match but I'm interested to see what Thunder Rosa can get out of Jade right because I don't think Jade's ready for really long matches at this point, but right, we'll find which out. is
1: maybe why I'm thinking that she do, she shouldn't really win the title because I feel like title matches like she'll have to like she she might there might be too much exposure yeah. too soon. Perhaps it
0: depends what their vision of this title is, right? Like I, I don't know. I think and you, it also depends it could be on how, how good
1: Car goes because I haven't seen like a ton of her lately right. other than the tournament. So maybe I'm a little off the mark. I don't know. We'll yeah, see. We'll find out. Um, I thought it was a solid back and forth package, but it it wasn't anything amazing, but it it was solid. And then next to come, the Jamie Hater versus the world's greatest female wrestler hat. Just kidding. Riho.
0: We are not big Riho fans on here. I do you agree. less than I, but it's hard. To we believe. have some issues with Riho. It's hard to
1: believe she gets trained by Kenny Omega.
0: Kenny Omega loves her. Yeah. Not like romantically, but like as a, per- well, maybe, but as a per- <laughs> as a performer, at least. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it, was, if, where, if it was NXT. This is where Omega and I disagree. Although I, I, I do have some praise for her after yeah, this, so go ahead when, and talk when, about
1: it. Like, respect where it's due, but right. when it's not due, I will not. Um, And this was a competitive TV match that excelled my expectations, which admittedly were not super high. Yeah. Um, notables where Riho does her bridge out of the pin and a draw kick by Riho, and then Hater comes back with a backbreaker. But the
0: bridge out of the pin makes Hater look stupid because she's pinning somebody without even like contacting... Like on her forearms and knees. Right. She's on all fours in a pin where I don't even think she's contacting Riho so that Rio can do the bridge up. Like... If your move makes you look good and the other person look stupid, just get rid of it, I think. Or maybe it's Hater's fault for not doing it right or whatever. I don't know, but it looked dumb.
1: This, the setup here was stupid. Yep. Cause I don't know if I've ever really noticed the issue with it before. And
0: how is a 98-pound woman bridging out if if Hater, who's a big, strong girl, right, is actually lying on top of her rio's not doing that, so anyways, right. it was I didn't like it. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm pointing out like if she is still 98 pounds, she weighs less than I do. Right. <laughs> like if if she is actually 98 pounds, because I remember they I, said they said I that like a long time she ago. She is tiny. Right. If she is actually still 98 pounds and she weighs less than I do, and right. I am 14. Right. And she is a And you're not inversion.
0: a large 14-year-old. Either. I am not
1: even large, <laughs> no. There's, like, I know, like, some friends and even just people in general who would, like, far outweigh her. Yes. Which I just think that's hilarious. Yep. Um, A really quick head scissor takedown and tiger fang kick by um Riho, followed by a diving crossbody for two. Um, Hater fails to catch an outside dive from Riho. She saves did. It, saves it a little bit and rams Riho into the post and then slams her on the ground um haters in control for a long stretch until rio counters with the victory roll into a double foot stomp a really straight down brain buster by right uh, amazing two.
0: love this brainbuster. buster um
1: pretty nice jumping knee strike and a code red by Riho for two and the finish comes with an avalanche crucifix bomb and a running like i can't tell if it was a running basement drop kick or like knee. a shotgun knee yeah i couldn't maybe. tell either the angle um, didn't make something it right yeah the angle was awful but I, and Riho picks up the win and she gets beat up by re- by Baker after lockjaw. You know the drill.
0: Yep. Um, I mean, some of Hater's offense looked nasty. That brain buster was sick. There was a and nice backbreaker. She followed it up with a really nice backbreaker. Yeah. Um, there was a couple of misses issues early on in this. But by the end, I actually quite enjoyed it. And this is where I get a little bit torn on Riho. So I think when she's taking offense and selling, she's really good. Because she looks like she's just getting killed, right? Partly because she is so tiny and Partly because she sells really well, but I find some of her offense we've talked about this before tough to believe just due to her size. And, and just yeah, the, like there was, I
1: think she hit that double foot stomp from the top rope, and I was just like, it looked like she was coming down with just a lack lot lock of force. Of
0: impact, and right? then
1: I was just like, no, she's not hitting that.
0: But then when she's hitting suplexes or the avalanche crucifix and stuff, I think those look fine, right? When she's not, it's her strikes and things like that that don't look right
1: like, when it's not like. When it's like she's slamming someone down, because then, like, I feel like the impact isn't all her, if you get what I mean. Like, when she's diving or hitting someone, like, she has to rely on herself for all that impact, if you know what I mean. And
0: if you contrast it, like, my example would be Leo Rush. He's tiny, but he's still probably a 160, 170-pound person who is moving incredibly quickly, right? So his stuff is still, if a 170-pound person moving at a really fast speed, kicks you it's still gonna hurt whereas Rio Plus, I think
1: his stuff like it looks good right? whereas
0: Rio at 98 pounds not moving that fast and Jamie Hayter is one of the larger female competitors right like I just have some issues but I think she makes Hayter look good by taking a beating so Hayter got to showcase her power here I thought she looked pretty strong in a loss um it was a good match overall that had several moves like that I took note of especially on Hayter's behalf right where I was like that looked awesome and I'd like the the Avalanche Crucifix, uh, for the finish. So I like this match more than I thought I was going to as well.
1: Yeah, um I thought it was pretty good. Definitely better than I expected. As I have voiced my opinions about Riho numerous Which times. Which are similar to mine, even yes. more extreme, maybe. Um I don't think Hater's the strongest in the ring either, but Hater had some nice moves here and there, and Riho had a couple of nice things there. And at the end of the day, just most of her stuff just doesn't look very impactful. Um, not the best match, but better than I expected, and the post-match stuff was at least quick.
0: Yeah, Hater kind of reminds me oh, of like run of the mill. she's kind of similar to Statlander, right? They're the the big, strong, athletic women. Oh, um,
1: I think Statlander is definitely better. Me too. Um, and then we get a Serena Deebu Sheeta video package. Um, Deeb says Sheeta took away her becoming TBS champion, and then Sheeta says Deep spoiled everything, and she'll make her pay. Steve says, if Sheeta thinks the steel chair attack on her leg was bad, she should think again, because she has a thousand ways to hurt Sheeta, which I thought was a very nice ending line.
0: Me too. I like this a lot. It was really brief, but I want another match between these two, and the simple story that they're telling really works for me, and Sheeta didn't say much here, but I thought in like the line or two she got, she, sh- she showed more personality there, like she's mad at deep right and it's actually coming through because sometimes yeah, for sure like she does I'm really strong in the ring but like character wise i'm like i don't even know anything about her so i appreciated a bit of emotion here yeah and they honestly they have the potential for me to put on the match of the night at winter is coming because i've loved their matches so far
1: i don't know they have to come in with hangman and brian danielson
0: that is true that might be tough but they could sneak it in there
1: they could that they could i mean i would have thought mjf um darby allen would have been the best i remember Gold when gear, i right? thought
0: deeb was so boring and now i'm like she is fantastic even as a heel i think she works well mm-hmm. she's so i even good. liked
1: her when she was starting as a baby face like when she was the nwa women's champions yep. then that got her on tv a bit right she's cool um but i thought it was a short very nice segment this has been great so far i thought both of them spoke pretty well a little out of nowhere, but this rematch adds a lot to next week's, ca- next week's card. Um, I wish there was some sort of stipulation, even if it was no DQ, or maybe even a submission match, dare I say? Like, yeah, I They like could that do that, hard.
0: yeah.
1: Um, I think that's a missed opportunity to bring in a submission match to AEW, honestly, but I think I'm I'm open to a third match regardless. Me too. Next week get have already seen Blonde's interview on the stage, basically. The Lights <laughs> Go Out and the Malachi Black Miss, Julia Hart.
0: Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of this. Apparently
1: only... um, Julia Hart's seven-year-old yeah. sister called her crying because Malachi Black missed her. Or... So funny.
0: I'm not a huge fan of this only because they should have something better for Malachi Black to do than enter a program. I'm hoping a very short program with the Varsity Blondes. I- again, it's just another booking decision I haven't loved since Full Gear. It's just like uh, we don't have anything major for this guy to do, so I guess he can do this and work his way through them. I don't know. It feels like a major step back for Malakai. Is it random? Has he interacted with them before? Or is this just a random attack? It felt random to me, but I honestly don't remember stuff sometimes. Yeah, it sometimes. felt random.
1: Okay. Um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, maybe if he kills them in both in a handicap match, that would be kind of funny. Yeah. Um, I don't know what this was or why this was, but I liked it because it was funny. Uh, stupid Julie Hart just the gets missed by Malachi Black, who, by the way, had some pretty cool face paint.
0: It's interesting that of the people there, he missed her, right? That's kind of interesting. I th- sure. I
1: first thought he got Pillman because some of that came to came on him too.
0: And honestly, Black could cut a promo next week and make this interesting, right? In his little style, there he may have some reason for targeting her that might make that might sort of save it for me. So there She's is a stupid. chance of that. Boom,
1: got her. Um, <laughs> next we come to the main event. Which is Jonathan Silver taking on Brian Danielson in a nice match, which I feel like was a step up from some of the from the past Danielson Dark Order matches. Yes. Um some notables, there are some holds and counters at the beginning, then Brian smashes Silver with a shoulder tackle. Um kicks the chest and hamstring by Brian, then Silver eventually catches Brian with kicks of his own. Um Silver stiff, catches stiff kicks from both of these <laughs> guys. A middle rope dive from Brian uh with a nice hit up power bomb. Um, a kick exchange, but Brian catches a kick, but Silver rolls into a heel hook, and Brian tries to kick him off, but Silver just making, like, the- just his face- Yes. A crazy- his funny little face, and he- and he just locks in that heel hook deep until Brian gets a rope break. Um, kick combo by Silver, but Brian flips out of a German suplex and hits a roundhouse kick, um- brian traps silver in like an abdominal stretch like position just hits repeated elbows to the head and it's a gosh pile driver and submits like bro- a prone silver with some okay. grounded submission yeah
0: silver's basically knocked out right and he- from the pile driver and he still puts a submission on him just because it's heel daniel Bryan and super aggressive brian daniel danielson Bryan. sorry yes yeah, sorry
1: um no, you mean daniel bryanson daniel bryanson <laughs> that's right um brian- silver jonathan <laughs> silver johnson that kind of works Yep. um uh brian lists off the dark order members whose heads he kicks in and realizes he didn't actually do that to <laughs> silver and right. proceeds to do so until hangman makes a save and they have a brief brawl until brian retreats he says he'll stomp the cowboy stuff out of brian
0: yeah i like that he was like oh yeah i didn't kick his head in and even though i knocked him out with a pile driver i'm gonna go do it anyways so right i thought this was a very good match i Maybe I expected a little better, but I still really enjoyed it. And and again, the result was never in doubt here, right? So it's kind of tough. You've got your main event and everybody knows who's winning. But I thought the kick exchanges were super stiff. And then there were some really cool spots outside of that. Um, It wasn't like a top notch Dynamite main event, but I still really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, I thought it was a pretty nice main event. I feel like it was more competitive than the other ones. I feel like it It showed a bit in the fact that it was a main event slot, as opposed to the opener or something else.
0: And Brian keeps impressing as a as a heel, right? Like Mm -hmm. he's—it's funny how good he can be as he's just sort of slightly tweaked this. I'm here to fight people. And he's tweaked it from being like a Just take on all aggressive. comers baby face to like an aggressive mean heel and it's working really mm-hmm.
1: well. Uh Silver got another great showing here and they had some nice exchanges and Brian got another strong victory. I liked a brief brawl between hang him and hangman again, yep. keeping the real fight for the match. That's right. And I thought it was a good way to cap off the show. Um so what would you give the show? Overall,
0: overall? Uh, I thought this episode was better than the past two weeks, but still like a level below some of the stronger episodes. So wrestling wise I thought this show was pretty good, right? The opening battle royal was quick and fine for me. And then I enjoyed every other match on the show with the women's kind of over-delivering, a couple really fun tag matches, and then um, a really solid main event. So the segments seemed to be pretty short this week. I didn't think there was anything super important outside of maybe Punk's start to the show where he was kind of working off of the pro MJF crowd I thought it was fun. Everything else did its job, and I didn't really complain about anything. So I'm going to give this show a very solid B, close to a B-plus for me this week. Um, Nothing I think anyone needs to rush out and see, because that might have pushed it up a little higher. But I thought a a good show overall, right? Still below like the super awesome episodes of Dynamite, but I enjoyed this show.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so I thought the Battle Royal was fine. Nothing interested me much other than the finish. And then the main event was pretty strong. Uh, The eight-man tag was also good, and I I enjoyed the Bucks versus quote unquote chaos um, m- 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 far more than I thought I would uh, Hater vs. Rio exceeded my expectations but it was just fine um, as far as segments go the opening segment was good and other but other show segments have been better um, the deep sheet package was good as well and nothing else really stood out to right. me I guess the Malachi Black thing is kind of funny um, but overall a solid show I would give it like a B plus because nothing like terrible
0: no I-, I agree I was close to a B plus as well so a good show this week I thought All right, so let's uh, get into talking about some trivia in the segment that we call Off the Top of His Head. So in honor of their incredibly low ratings and record low demographic numbers, I'm going with some raw trivia for you, okay? So question number one, I think there's about 17 or so. What year did Monday Night Raw debut?
1: 1993.
0: Why do you know that? I thought that might be tough right off the bat. No. Fine. On that episode, who wrestled in the main event?
1: Undertaker and Damien Demento.
0: (laughs) Why do you know that?
1: Because that... I don't know.
0: Good old Damien Demento, eh? He thought he was, like, the greatest. That's why he... Like, he apparently had, like, an overestimation of how good he was and his value. I think he thought he was, like undertaker level sort of thing or should be Uh, all right then on that same show if you know everything who faced off for the intercontinental championship on that oh come on
1: Shawn michaels and max moon
0: (laughs) yes remember i was like because he never knows even the topic of what i'm doing before we sit down and i thought this was a hard week so you're three for three so far true or false chris jericho's wwf debut came on raw uh, true. That is true. Do you happen to know what year that was? Ninety nine. Correct. Uh, and who's this one's easy? Who's promo did Jericho interrupt? The Rock. So honestly, for me, that was a. I was the biggest Jericho fan from before Jericho was anything. Like when he was just starting out in WCW, I loved that kid. So this was one of my all time favorite moments was his debut, and that's what I was telling you. The Punk arrival in AEW that was the closest sort of feeling, even though I'm not a huge punk fan, it's more the reaction and the hype around it. That was sort of uh, the most similar thing I can remember. Uh, what year did the infamous Pillman's Got a Gun segment air on Raw? I want
1: it was 97. No. Oh, it was 98? No, other way. 96? Correct. Really? November 4th, 1996. Mm, I knew it was around that era I thought it was 97, because I think that was when he was feeding with the Hart Foundation.
0: Who was John Cena's opponent? Flash forward a bunch of years now, on Raw when the Nexus made their WWE debut. So he was in a match and Nexus attacked both of them during the match. Seamus? No. Randy Orton? No. A guy I just mentioned who's in AEW now. Pacheco? No. CM Punk. Correct. CM Punk. What year did CM Punk speaking to him infamous pipe bomb take place on 2011. Raw? Twenty eleven. Two thousand eleven is Adoy. correct. Uh, the pipe bomb promo came after John Cena's match against who? Our truth What? I was like, that one's impossible. I should have moved it to the end. Why do you know he was facing Our truth 2K
1: Showcase, baby. Oh,
0: is that right? Video games.
1: I think it was even a tables match, There too. is
0: value in video games. <laughs> you can answer <laughs> trivia questions on a random podcast, people. Yes. So play those video games. The
1: off chance that the topic comes up.
0: Well, first of all, you'd have to remember it. I could still play the game and not remember that detail. But anyways... <laughs> Uh, who did Roman Reigns beat on Raw in 2015 to become the new WWE champion? Sheamus. Wow, yes. I did not think you would know all of these so quickly. because
1: well, Sheamus cashed in on him after Survivor Series. If you say so. When he won the title after Seth Rollins vacated the title. Also, you know what's kind of funny? What? Is, so I remember this, because Sheamus is pretty lucky when it comes to the WWE title runs, right? Because his first one came in when he... When Cena thought fell through a table, like, he just pushed Cena because it was a tables match. Right. And then that last WD title run for him was lucky because Seth Rollins got injured. You want to know where he got injured? Where? Dublin, Ireland.
0: Ooh. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> Shawn Michaels and John Cena put on arguably the greatest match in Raw history. What year did the match take place?
1: 2006? Mm. 2007.
0: Which is your answer? 2007. 2007 is correct. You just remembered? Yeah. Yeah, on my sister's birthday. it was in,
1: like, London or something. Oh, yeah? It was one of those Raw.
0: That I detail I don't those. have. Care to guess Meltzer's rating of the match? Hint, it was not five stars.
1: Four and a half.
0: Close, four and a quarter.
1: Four and a third.
0: Four and five eighths. <laughs> Who did Mankind beat on Raw to win his first WWF title? The Rock. That'll put the butts in seats. Wasn't that that one? Yes. Yeah. Um and i think that's the name of shivani has like a comic book or something that he calls that but which something. seems weird to me um because it's his thing what year did that match take place mankind 1999 did, correct i think it
1: was january 1999
0: three more with this one i should have moved to last because how could you know this which two arenas hosted raw 25 in 2018 oh
1: barclay center oh my god and yes. manhattan center <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're you're sorry. wrong it's actually manhattan center oh. grand ballroom whatever so how dare that's you that's not that's <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice um sorry i'm fighting a sneeze here who was the main event of raw 1000 Ooh,
1: uh john versus cm punk four uh, the WWE Championship, Very which was good. seen as Money in the Bank cash in because he announced it beforehand because he's an idiot. Right. And that's and, what baby
0: faces have to do, right? Right. And
1: then Big Show interfered. And then The Rock came in to beat up Big Show. And then CM Punk turned heel on The Rock.
0: So the final question, which I'm afraid you're going to know, which is not the plan of these segments, what year did that take place? 2012. Correct. So you absolutely. Took a showcase baby. You absolutely destroyed this quiz. I think you missed maybe the Match Star one. And is that it? There's another one. But, anyways, you killed it. Nice work. All yeah. right. So let's uh, go back to talking about some professional wrestling. And it's going to be not the most in-depth, but a little more than just like a turbo review of this week's NXT UK. <music> so it's I've been sort of kind of checking out nxt uk not entire episodes sometimes but sort of checking back in with it and you not at all right so you're kind mm, of no. coming in with some fairly fresh eyes to this so i think it started with the recap package focusing on the main event tonight which is mustache mountain taking on pretty deadly for the nxt uk tag team championships and yeah they
1: when- i feel like they have would have more tv tile changes because they don't really get their own takeovers anymore i think they had like
0: no they don't you're
1: right total over like the course of a few years right I think one of them was canceled and then um they, I guess like there was also Walter Dragonov on like, yes and the, the main takeover I guess they they sometimes get a spotlight on there
0: they do so when the show starts the opening match we're straight into it with Blair Davenport taking on F.K. Amelia Priestley. yes right taking on Amelia McKenzie what'd you think of Blair I Davenport's appearance now with she her just hair looks so weird the two-tone hair and stuff yeah she looks dumb. I'm not a huge fan but maybe it's part of the character I don't know so the basic story here is that Mackenzie is sort of a youngster who's been taken under the wing of the women's champion Mako Satomura and that Blair Davenport wants a shot at Satomura's title. And so this is her taking sort of out Mako's protege, I guess, in the anticipation of getting a title shot. So no real highlights of this. i just kind of going to go results and whatever. So Davenport wins what I thought was a pretty competitive match with the Falcon Arrow. Which and- I
1: did not think and looked... That didn't look great.
0: And then after the match, because she's a heel, right, she hooks um, Amelia McKenzie in a submission hold. And nobody comes down to make the save, which I thought was interesting. So what did you think of the opening match?
1: Right, because I think Mako more they said, was in Japan. Oh,
0: did they explain? Because one of my yeah. questions was, where's Mako if they're, her protege um, is being attacked?
1: I thought it was fine. It, felt, it didn't feel like much more than an enhancement match. And I don't know, I thought Davenport looked fine, but yeah. I don't... I didn't love her too much, and then I feel like Mackenzie got in a couple of good, decent things. She did, yeah. But I thought Davenport's finisher was really, like, as far as Falconers go, that wasn't even great.
0: It wasn't amazing, though, but uh, yeah, I thought it was a pretty good back-and-forth opener. I thought Davenport looked more aggressive and almost vicious at times, which is good, because she's going for that sort of heel character. Mackenzie held her own, and she had some nice suplexes and things along the way. I think she's got potential for sure. She doesn't really win too much right now. I wouldn't say she's... Quite enhancement talent, but she's definitely like mid Carter and sort of acting as I guess the gatekeeper to getting to Mako in this uh, situation. So I I guess you just explained because one of my questions was I wasn't sure why Mako didn't come out to make the save. But again, it adds to the sort of vicious heel character of Davenport to have her apply a submission to an opponent she's just kind of handily beaten. So I thought the match was pretty good. It kind of over delivered for me because. I haven't seen Davenport wrestle too much. I just kind of am in and out of NXT UK, and I don't even finish episodes and things generally, so I haven't seen her wrestle much lately, but I thought this was pretty decent. So then we get Noam Dar, who I really enjoy uh, in UK at this point, and Shaw Samuels. They interrupt the assistant general manager, Sid Scala, somewhere backstage, um, and Shaw has the Heritage Cup with him that Noam Dar is the... I don't know, he holds Champion. that title, whatever you want to call it. I think it. Yes. it's
1: done that he, that's a championship because who wants to carry it's on a, a big cup. fat cup?
0: And so Noam is sort of bragging about his accomplishments here and things. Uh, Scala then informs him that next week it'll be A-Kid and Nathan Frazier ta- squaring off in a number one contenders match for the Heritage Cup trophy. Um, I thought this was fine, right? I find Dar's character to be really entertaining and an A-Kid uh, Nathan Fraser match should be good because both those guys are it's going to be very different styles but it should be an interesting match I don't know do you have thoughts on this little promo
1: um I don't know I thought noam dar was pretty good I guess yeah, he's and fun Samuels just I don't know he was kind of there
0: noam dar usually does like a, a sit down interview segment that I find quite entertaining usually he's um he's not forcing the comedy but he's kind of just naturally funny which I which I quite like Uh, We then get a recap package for last week's Ilya Dragunov-Rampage-Brown title match. So basically an insiguri from Dragunov sort of injured Brown to the point where he couldn't continue. Which I thought was weird. And we're shown Rampage uh, as he's being taken out on a stretcher, sort of flipping off the cameras. So I assume that this was just a storyline injury, but it almost seems strange, right? To have such a standard wrestling move that so many people hit. Taking him out and having him be sort of stretchered off, so there was part of me that was like, was it real? And this is them sort of covering for it, or was it storyline? But if it is storyline, I kind of like it. It's it's different, right? It's a unique move, a little bit risky because you basically had a no finish in a championship main event, but kind of a different take on doing something like this. What did you think of this idea?
1: Um, I thought it was okay, but it's just really weird because I just I don't see an in- an of all the kicks that Exist. I don't see that. Yeah. You want to take out someone. So
0: that's why I'm wondering. Did he actually catch him with it? And like he was, they did have to stop it. Do you want to try and fact it check? It did look like while it, you're that it
1: looked um super, like impactful. And though. Shaw
0: was doing a good job of looking like he was sort of spaced out and out of it a little bit on the cart. So Rampage Brown. Sorry. What did I say? Shaw. Oh, Shaw Samuels. Wow, I'm flashing back to the previous. Yeah, Rampage Brown. Who Rampage Brown is actually a lot better than I thought he was. He's a he's a, like a legitimate contender. I don't know if he'll ever get a title run, but he's a legit contender kind of guy. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not sure if this was legit or storyline, but I thought it's an interesting sort of story to tell regardless. Uh, so then Ziya Brookside, she's mad about her loss to Mako Satamura last week, and she's a moany, complainy, whiny girl. That's sort of her character right now. Um, her excuse is that she was basically only given one week to prepare for her match against Mako. What did you think of Ziya Brookside? I don't think you've thought, seen her since heel turn. Is she heel? She is heel now, yes. Oh,
1: uh, She just looks like a whiny child. I Which think. is her oh. character, right?
0: Oh. So that's what I said. She's certainly annoying, so I guess that's what she's going for. Then she's beating an effective heel. I did watch the match with Mako, and I thought it was pretty good. She she had a good showing there. I'm not a huge Ziya Brookside fan, but... um. She is playing this whiny, annoying, kind of entitled young uh, heel pretty well, I think. Mm-hmm. So one of our favorites, Jordan Devlin, he comes to the ring in street clothes oh boy. to talk to us. He points out that he was the longest reigning cruiserweight champion in WWE history. He goes, I
1: agree with that. I was literally saying he's still the real champion.
0: He brags some more and talks about being the ace and that... There's only one thing left for him to do and that's take the NXT UK championship. He specifically calls Dragonov to come out. Dragonov obliges, he appears with the belt and gets in the ring with Devlin. Dragonov says that where he comes from, they don't talk so much and that if Devlin wants a shot, why doesn't he just ask for it? Devlin says he won't get knocked out or quit sort of referring to the other matches that um Dragonov's had lately Shaw Samuels and I forget whoever tapped out most recently. Paige Brown. Sorry. Rampage Brown. Oh boy, that's my new Rachel Green. Like when I talk about Chelsea Green, oh, I just don't no. even know I'm saying it anymore. Um, Devlin goes on to say he'll only need one chance to end Dragonov's career and take the title at the same time. Dragonov says doesn't matter. He's not going to be intimidated or scared of Devlin. He's prepared for everything. Devlin then wraps up sort of by saying that he hopes Dragonov's wife and son understand. Why they'll have to take care of Dragunov after his match with Devlin. Ooh,
1: you mentioned family. Right,
0: and specifically mentioning the child, I think, is a step too far for Dragunov. So he attacks, and they brawl, and they are separated. What did you think of this?
1: Which, um, the referees were certainly prepared for that one. They were. Um, I thought it was pretty good. I think I love Devlin. He's probably, like, my favorite guy on the brand. I don't know a ton of them, but, like, I think he's just awesome. I is awesome. still wish he was... Dragunov's awesome, like, too. If it wasn't 2 I would love him in NXT, honestly. Yes. I would... like. He, I think he's just great. I think he's, I think he's wasted... I like
0: the 2.0 became a verb there. 2.0'd. Right. Nice.
1: I, I said at the beginning. I was surprised NXT UK hasn't been 2 Right.
0: No, they have not yet. In yeah. fact, I feel like they're going the other way a little bit, which yeah, is nice. Yeah, I
1: think... Well, I think cause Vince just does not give a crap about the show, so that's no always idea. an advantage. It's,
0: right. It is. Because it right. used to be that was the case with NXT. Right.
1: Um, and I think, like, um, Devlin's just wasted anywhere in WWE, because, like, even if UK's good, it's such a small platform for him, right? And then NXT's just gone to the crapper. or if and they're not getting die on main roster,
0: right? Like, if they're not getting NXT UK pay-per-views regularly to showcase him, because he is amazing.
1: Right. So, like, I, I think, like, even as, like, the show's not terrible or anything, but I just think it, it, it is a bit of a waste for Devlin, in my opinion, but, like... Um, I thought he was really nice here. I think Dragonov, like, I thought he was pretty good in promos and NXT. I think, I think this one was still good. I just don't think it was as great.
0: Right. I, I like this a lot. I think this is a, for me, a simple, realistic build, right? Between I got guy, two guys who both think they're the best. And I, I love the simple storyline here. You've got Devlin being the heel. Of course, he's going to make things personal and try and push Dragonov's buttons as much as he can. And he's successful. I thought this was a really solid segment to help build what should be an awesome match, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. when is the match happening? Did they say?
1: Uh, I don't. I, I didn't don't think, it. I don't think they have confirmed it yet. But yeah, it should be a very interesting match.
0: We then turn to Amal, who's the first French. I think is her thing, female uh, French at least because there's La
1: Resistance and whatnot.
0: Right, um, but I don't.
1: Renee Dupre. <laughs> but
0: was he Canadian? Are they are they trying to say that she's the first one from France? I, I think, don't know if the others were no, French Canadian.
1: I, I think she said first. Female French one at least.
0: Um so she is frustrated and that um and that didn't come out of nowhere. She says she's been told her whole life she can't do things because she's a woman and no one believed in her as a wrestler, and to the point where she almost quit. She talks about like knowing a bunch of languages and being really highly educated and parents having expectations of her using that education, I think to be a doctor or something. But that her dreams to be a professional wrestler, and this is her life now. And she actually starts to cry as we see highlights of her like training and arriving to NXT and things, which she says sort of changed her because she was about to quit before sort of getting that try it with NXT and it sort of saved her from um, leaving the profession. So she sort of ends just by saying that she is Amal and she is hope. What did you think of this? This was a um, change for her, I think.
1: I thought. I thought it was kind of interesting. It was weird because it first came off as heel, but then definitely went the other direction right. for me. Um, I thought it was kind of cool. It, it was pretty realistic, so I can at least appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 I want to see more of her first. I don't know. This It was good, but it didn't offer a ton. Of, like, I just want to see what she actually does first. Yeah. so in I haven't my, seen her before. In
0: my sort of check-ins, I feel like she's been a heel, and this is the first time I'm seeing her, it seems to be, kind of leaning into a babyface uh, character, I thought it was really good. Um, I, I imagine this is probably her real story, or pretty close to it, and I thought it added a lot of depth and interest to her character, which in an hour a week, they don't really have a lot of time to develop many characters, so I thought this was a really good job. Um, she's been pretty good in the ring, so I, I, it looks like she's going to get a little push based off of this. Um, and I assume she's a babyface after seeing this, but I guess we'll find out. But yeah, I want to see where they're going with this because I thought this was some some good depth added to her character. Yeah, for sure. And then as you said, babyface heel Kenny Williams because he literally has like a very... I remember you
1: pointed out because... Very youthful face. And when he was babyface, he had a beard. And then the second he turned heel he had a baby face right
0: and when he looks young right when yes. he has that beard. he
1: looked like he literally became a baby face like an a literal baby face the second <laughs> he became a heel like, it was really weird that's so deep remember that's
0: meta <laughs> he turned
1: on like his partner i think it was amir jordan or something it was. why don't i remember that yeah um and like he then he just shaved his face baby face clean which i thought was funny just as soon as he turned and he heel. looks
0: way less healy without it but anyways he says that NXT is full of pretenders and that none are bigger than Mark Andrews. He said his skateboard, Mark Andrews. His skateboard thing and maybe the punk music thing too is an act and that he's actually just a scared little boy. He is everything that Andrews thinks he is, but 10 times worse. He will take out subculture and then uh, he was eating while he was talking, right? So I even rewound it once. And I it didn't turn-
1: know what he was eating.
0: So commentary recapped it. So he said, "All that will be left is a culture of scum," because it's like commentary knew we couldn't understand. So uh, whoever it is doing commentary, I actually like the commentary team. On
1: I show. yeah, I was pointing they do a good out. Job. I'm so sad that Vic or bleh, um, Nigel McGinnis is wasted here because he was my favorite commentator. He's good. They play up pretty named straight. yeah. Maro Ranallo is still the best, but. What like, you think of MS. Kenny Williams' promo? I thought it was okay. Um, it's like I don't know. It's kind of weird for a babyface promo, but I mean, <laughs> it was so good. It was okay. I mean, I I guess. Um, I like the look and
0: tone of it, right? I, I like I the way the it was shot. Was,
1: yeah, it was interesting. It was yeah, it was kind of oddly shot. Like some of the angles were a little weird. Right. And uh, the way he kept eating and then he would spit it out. Yeah, it was. it was really weird. I get, uh, I guess him versus Mark Andrews would be cool. I don't remember how great he is. I don't love is. Mark Andrews. I think Mark Andrews honest, is but... alright. I think Webs Webster sucks.
0: I think if you've seen like a Mark Andrews match, you've seen them all kind of thing, unfortunately. So I actually think Kenny Williams is a little bit of an interesting heel, and I never would have guessed it when he first turned, right? Again, I like the tone of this promo. I like the way it was shot. It looked cool. The eating and spitting things out, like for a heel, I mean it was super annoying to have somebody do that while they're cutting a promo, I guess, right? But I did miss a bit of what he was saying. Again, I'm not really interested in a match with Mark Andrews. It'll probably be fun to watch, but I am starting to like um, Williams as a heel right now. I think he's doing some nice work here. He's confident, right, in his promo, so it kind of worked for me. We then get what, for me, was kind of the low point of the show, and that's Sam Gradwell, who seems to be on this program a lot, sort of in a mid-card role. He's taken hair on- is
1: just the worst it's like he's it shaved except for like this tiny tiny little mohawk in the middle of his head it's, it's like the stupidest thing it's ever it's
0: like tyson kids but sticking like straight right? straight <laughs> That's literally up like an extra the closest few inches thing yes is,
1: like i'm like oh it's like tyson kid it worse
0: so we get the man with the worst hair versus the man with the worst ring gear in Shaw Samuel's. Oh God! With his high trunks and um, suspenders. suspenders. Oh,
1: so bad. Oh you
0: pointed God. out, and you you haven't been seeing much, but you're right. He's dropped a bunch of weight. He's right, in way better shape. Even
1: like in the promo that we got before this match, or like the segment. Uh, he was like thingy, a borderline
0: hoss, and now he's right, like a he lean guy. Just
1: I think even his like I don't know if this sounds weird, but like his face for me looks, looks like a hoss. Yeah. And then like he was like, oh, he looks. He's like pretty slim. Like it, It's honestly kind of odd.
0: Yeah. He. He. I think he's leaned out a bit. So this involved, right, they showed us beforehand some sort of gambling story that I hadn't seen where Shaw Samuels has like a whiteboard backstage and is taking bets on matches. And I think the idea was that Gradwell bet on himself to beat um, Samuels in this match. So the end sort of... Now, I thought Dar was trying to choke Gradwell with the scarf. And commentary kind of made it sound like Gradwell was convincing the ref that that's what dar he was. did
1: he moved the scarf himself
0: okay i because i kind of missed that because dar would choke him with the scarf right so he did it was gradwell being a step ahead that was the point of that i yes. guess okay it was
1: like an any grow ty-
0: i might have been ta- typing and, and missed Enigro. that detail because dar would try and choke him with a scarf so i thought he was actually trying to cheat but anyways so while the ref is dealing with that gradwell hits a low blow with the scarf which is questionable how much that would hurt yeah it was like a
1: towel whip with it, the scarf, right. which I thought, like if you're gonna low blow him, at least like kind of like pull under his legs, and then just reef on it. Like, right, that it, would make sense. This is just like a knot. Like very he good flicked version. him with it, kind of. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that that's a good way to put and it.
0: And then he hits that Samoan driver uh, for the win here, which
1: so. I thought he, like, Santos Escobar does that better.
0: What um, did you think of the match overall?
1: Um, honestly, like, this match wasn't super interesting. Yeah, I didn't uh, both think Both of it was them either. are kind of heels, and which just doesn't really help. And then I, just, I think the storyline was a little off. The finish was pretty dumb. Like, <laughs> like it was okay, I guess, but like, yeah. it just, it, the ending kind of throws me off a little more.
0: I had my description as a decent physical mid card match, but nothing special, right? It was just mm-hmm. kind of there to fill out the hour. I feel like Gradwell has improved a lot since his arrival, but he, and he's kind of working on this like loud, obnoxious heel character where he calls everybody yogurts. Um, And he doesn't seem to win too often, so I guess this is a good win for him here. I didn't love the match. I didn't think it was terrible, but there was definitely nothing exceptional about it. Then we get Gallus. This was interesting. They're in like a parking garage, right? Putting bats and other things into the trunk of their car. Uh, They're talking about these jobs are getting harder, so I don't know if they're like this... Group of thugs for hire, or what the the story is here exactly. Yeah, I,
1: this one, like it wasn't bad, but it just it really confused me
0: because I think I must have missed something in recent weeks. And basically, it's all ahead of their battle with um, the Familia, which is Teoman, Charlie Dempsey, and the third guy who I couldn't remember because Charlie Dempsey just joined them last week. And what I thought was a pretty cool little segment, I did see that, so he's now part of their group, and they're going to be taking on Gallus, I guess. Um, what did you think of this? I am not quite sure I understand it fully, but uh what did you think of the presentation of it anyways?
1: Um yeah, I thought it was alright. I mean I think it, it was kinda interesting just because I don't know, it was really weird. I'm interested to see what happens with it because like, I don't know, it just it was really it was just confusing. And it's
0: kinda out of context for you, right? Even yes. for me a little bit. So cause I'm not quite sure what's going on with Gallus. I know they're involved with Teoman and and the other guy who I still can't remember who actually I quite like those two and I've I've enjoyed Charlie Dempsey too he's an interesting add to their group but I am intrigued by it for sure so I thought this was fine and it seems like to be a bit grittier version of NXT UK this week and I kind of like it um maybe just because it's very much a far cry from North American NXT right now um it almost has the feel of like nxt when it was cool in an hour way way back when i was quite enjoying it so a little bit yeah i'm hoping it continues i wasn't i wasn't totally sure what was going on here specifically but i didn't think it was bad and it's maybe just a product of me not being fully caught up with this show Mm -hmm. we then get a quick hype video for the a kid nathan fraser match for next week. Frazier basically saying he's the best high flyer in the world and he'll make A-Kid play his game because it's a battle of styles, right? I think it's more of the technical style versus the high flying in this. Right. A-Kid says he's the present. He was the future, but now he's the present and he isn't the future anymore and we'll see if Nathan Frazier can step up. I just thought it was a solid, standard sort of video ahead of a TV match. Neither man said that much, but it was fine. I don't know if you have it. Yeah, it was
1: a nice little back and forth thingy-majiggy. Yep. Kind of like the AEW ones a little.
0: We then hit... I was interested in this because it's Mustache Mountain challenging Pretty Deadly for the NXT UK Tag Team Championships, and I know that the last time you saw Pretty Deadly, because you were still calling them jobbers, right? But they're not. No, I
1: know they've been champions, just they look like jobbers, they...
0: I think they they have amazing heat from the crowd and their ring gear for this was awesome. I know you hated it, but I think it's perfect for their character. So like describe bucks, what they were dumber. It was like neon these
1: neon sleeves but then like just no shirt. Was it
0: yellow or green cuz I don't I pretty sure it's neon. Colors green. are not my thing. But yeah, they're wearing like neon tights and then neon like it's just over their shoulders and down their arms but nothing on the back and nothing on the chest, so it's kind of this ridiculous ring gear but I think it really works for them. So this match, uh, Mustache Mountain, this gets quite a bit of time, right? I think it was like 15 to 20 minutes of TV time left when this started. So Mustache Mountain control the early going with frequent tags and some quick tandem offense. And then pretty deadly take an opportunity to double team Trent Seven on the floor as the ref is momentarily distracted. So they take the advantage after that. So the heels spend a lot of time isolating Trent Seven, including suplexing him on the floor as Bate is obviously looking for the hot tag at this point. He finally does make the tag, dominates both a pretty deadly with a combination of of throws and just his speed and agility and power. He's just a crazy combination of many, many athletic skills, this Tyler Bate. Bate does hit the the Tyler driver, but the blonde one, because I forget names. Lewis Howley. Thank you. You suck. (laughs) I do. The blonde one kicks out of the Tyler driver. Howley. Um, Pretty Deadly take over with an assisted gutbuster for two that I thought was kind of cool. Then we get like um, some mocking miscommunication by Pretty Deadly that meet one of them ends up clotheslining the other one, right? And then Bait sort of takes over from there. Howie
1: clotheslines Stoker.
0: Thank you. And Trent Seven finally gets back to his corner to make a tag. We do get the seven star lariat by Trent is Seven. Is that like
1: a ripcord lariat? I can't remember. It's just it a
0: is. big lariat where the other guy is supposed to like inside out sort of thing, you know? But the blonde one. Uh, Hallie. Kicks out of that as well. Pretty Deadly then make a blind tag, and Trent Seven takes some kicks before Pretty Deadly knock Bait off the apron, hit their spilled milk, uh, finisher...
1: I thought I couldn't understand the name at first I mean like I I guess because that phrase right don't cry
0: over spilled milk Uh, and I think they're always whiny crying sort of heels I see so I think they're sort of leaning into that so bait has to make the save off of this the spilled milk is what like a spine buster and
1: it's like he um, Stoker holds him in the spine buster and then uh, Hallie just runs and hits a neck breaker right
0: so they hit the spilled milk on the floor to bait just after that and now seven is obviously left alone in the ring I actually thought this was where the finish was coming we get an assisted lung blower, a power bomb, and a power bomb onto the other partner's knees, and Trent Seven still kicks out of that. I thought that was a cool was sequence. A,
1: yeah, that was pretty nice.
0: Because things pick up here at the end, right? We then get Pretty Deadly bring in a belt, and the ref is taking that away, but as his back is turned to get rid of it, um, the dark-haired one... <laughs> Stoker. Thank you. ...uses the other belt to take Seven out for another near fall... Then Seven hits a Dragon Suplex to one of Pretty Deadly and a Super Kick to the other. And all three of them are down. Bait finally tags in, hits his Capoeira Kick and a Tyler Driver before going up top. Seven, I thought this finishing sequence was cool. Seven hits a Burning Hammer to stack Pretty Deadly up, basically. And Bait then hits the Spiral Tap off the top for the win. And they become the first two... I think the first time they were saying... First two-time sorry, U- NXT UK tag team champions.
1: No, it's so no, no. It's you the tell me. First team to win both NXT tag titles. Oh, the okay. Main and UK.
0: I was close, but that makes more sense. <laughs> yes. What did you think of the main event of this match? Um, or, sorry, I, I thought this, this was show? pretty
1: nice. Um, pretty Deadly did some nice work cutting off the ring, like the classic heel tactics. I I, I quite enjoyed some of their tag. They're a lot moves. better, right? You yeah. have To admit. Um, Mustache Mountain loved to see them. I think. Yeah. I always thought they were pretty nice. Um. And, I don't know, the one Tyler driver didn't look as good, but I think some of their moves were nice, too. The finishing sequence is great. I love that spiral tap move yes. that Bait can do, because I don't think many people can no, do that. I cool. know that's a move in 2K. That's pretty nice. Yes. Um, but And I think that's good for them winning, because I'm, I'm honestly surprised it's taken them this long to win the titles.
0: Yes. Uh, I thought this was an excellent match, and the final few minutes being, like, I thought this pretty... This definitely
1: feels like a, an NXT TV match of right? old. Right that's what Even i'm saying from earlier this year Derek. i feel say. of
0: this show i quite liked so the final few minutes of this i thought were pretty incredible a great combination of just really strong baby faces that the crowd loves and heels that they absolutely hate and they just lean into their i
1: will say though one of the things that kind of hurts the show is the lack of crowd like there yes, is some there finally minor, but there's yeah. just it's very small so as long if they can try to get some like whenever they can get more i think that'll definitely D- help
0: did you see any shots of the crowd at Hard times. Uh, you no. should look up an image of that. Oh wait, log. were
1: there some empty seats? Oh my god! Yeah, I saw when you were watching it. So
0: apparently they—I looked—they were in like a place. I forget where it was held, but there's major, major restrictions. Mm-hmm. So they had very few people, yet they still packed them all together in one section. So I don't know. Like there was no social. I guess distancing. so. Then you
1: look some part. But it was like some parts then look good then, I guess.
0: But anyways, I thought this was an excellent back and forth match. Lots of good basic heel work by Pretty Deadly and some cool hot tags by Mustache Mountain. Uh, Pretty Deadly have improved a ton. They were honestly just kind of like a joke when they started. And now they're a legitimate, like good professional heel tag team. I think I was quite impressed by this. I thought this was a really strong main event. Uh, Any overall thoughts and a letter grade for this show?
1: Um yeah i mean i thought it, i thought it was fine because i think the first match was okay um let me think
0: the gradwell match was meh the Main other match
1: the main event was good some of the segments were like they ranged from meh to like pretty good so i think it was like an overall solid show i will add like i think it helps that it did kind of remind me of good nxt me too so i'd probably give it, like a b because it wasn't like the best but i think the main event definitely would helps you be willing lot. to
0: check it out again like are we yeah. leaning towards that next week yeah just maybe to see?
1: if we if we don't find anything else because i we think want to.
0: i think you'd like to man's group i i enjoy them and they weren't on this mm-hmm. week so uh, I think we picked an excellent week to review NXT UK. I really enjoyed this episode. I mean,
1: I knew I actually already had like gotten spoiled just because I I didn't really anticipate watching this right. on the main event, but like I it was still enjoyable to watch.
0: Yeah, I liked the opener. Pretty much loved the main event. The Gradwell match was the low point, but it was still solid. Like I don't think it was bad. Uh, I I liked most of the outer ring segments too. As NXT UK, it's feeling like they're going for a bit more realistic and gritty. Is the word I keep coming to in many of their stories which i always appreciate and i think it's probably more pronounced just because of the stark contrast now with NXT 2.0 that feels like you're watching like nickelodeon basically right or you're watching a cartoon <laughs> yeah nickelodeon or a kid's with show. The
1: slime on the logo
0: honestly Uh, i thought that this was a very easy episode of nxt to watch i gave it a b plus i thought it was really fun um i would actually and i love to do things like this i would recommend people go find the main event match and watch that tag team championship because i thought it was really good for sure so uh, a very good show Mm -hmm. all right so that's going to bring us into our next segment where we can talk about
1: nxt any
0: other wrestling stuff we want to which we call any other wrestling business All right, so I'm going to start. Are you ready to laugh at me suffering through an episode of NXT 2.0?
1: Absolutely.
0: So I this is going to be your new, like, you know how you like to, you enjoy when it impacts really bad and I talk about it. So yes, that was my most
1: favorite thing when um, we started.
0: Well, so let's talk about NXT. So the show starts with a highlight package from WarGames, uh, which a uh, uh, quick reminder, we did review that. I think we put it out on the Monday, right? So you can check that out if you haven't. It's done pretty well for us. So That review is wherever you're listening to this. It's also there. So go check it out if you haven't already. We'd appreciate it. Um, And it included a reminder that tonight, Kyle O'Reilly will face Von Wagner in a tag, sorry, a cage match. Um, And it turns out that that is the opener. So we're straight into a cage match where Von Wagner, surprise, surprise, defeats Kyle O'Reilly in a steel cage match. Commentary spend a lot of time talking about how kyle o'reilly has opened his heart to wagner and i'm like what they're trying to make it feel like there was way more of a storyline behind this than there actually was right like just randomly right. thrown t- of course yeah of, of course they would and so obviously wagner is a heel now and he's getting booed loudly by the crowd at one point there was a really long boring waist lock on the mat by uh, oh Vaughn yes wagner. that's
1: why we we book a cage match right, right
0: in the middle of this Kyle was basically limited to strikes and submissions since I'm not sure Von Wagner can take anything else, right? So it's another one of these, the guy's so limited that even a good wrestler can't do much good stuff against him kind of thing. So it was really basic stuff from Kyle in this. Wagner, of course, gets to kick out of the top rope knee drop to the back of the neck that has pinned many a man, right, in NXT. But not Von Wagner. Um... So Kyle obviously loses clean to that pretty lame double underhook twisting slam thing. Yeah, that I Wagner. hate that move. Like it's fine if it's one of your signatures or a transitional, but for a finisher for a big dominant like huge man. It, anyways, it was a over a fourteen minute match. Then to end this, Wagner hangs Kyle O'Reilly in the tree of woe, but like, yeah, yeah, in outside right in the, the ring door. instead of inside, and just repeatedly slams the cage door on him. I guess you saw that
1: to write him off.
0: So, yeah, I think that's the plan. Like, if he's not coming back, that's how he's written off. And if he does come back, he can at least be gone for a while and come back and do this all over again. Hooray. Uh, This was decent at best. Um, And here's the sick thing. This match wasn't good. It was maybe decent. And I think it was the best match on this show. So just to prepare you. Um, There really was no need for a cage for this. They got run into it a couple times, but nothing else. Like, there wasn't... This is not a long lingering feud that where there's been lots of interference and lots of shenanigans and we need a cage to settle things, right? This is like the guy turned on the other guy a few but days then failed. ago, right? So this was about as basic a cage match as you can get. Um, and they may have moved, I think, Wagner from two-minute squashes to 15-minute cage match a bit too quickly, right? Like there's some steps in between that you right. can hit before, like give him a five-minute match, give him a seven-minute match. But no, they went straight to like tag matches to a 15-minute singles he had a cage crap match. match
1: with O'Reilly he's kind of screwed
0: and I would suggest he wasn't quite ready for it we then get twitter video of Gargano promising to tell the fans everything tonight spoiler alert he won't tell us anything um but he will address his future later tonight in the main event Wait, of the show false where he says nothing what? um but anyways
1: that's ridiculous
0: So Joe Gacy talks next. He doesn't care about losing at War Games because they're accomplishing something larger. He's out to change the name of a show that is not inclusive, I assume, making a reference to 205 there. And Harland will make his in-ring debut next week. So obviously you're now back committed to NXT, right? Of course. To see Harland wrestle. Absolutely. Um, This was a fine promo. Honestly,
1: that's what made me stop.
0: He's cutting back on a few of the buzzwords that were a bit annoying. Uh, And I assume he's talking about getting rid of 205 Live, which wwe should definitely do so i guess they're trying to work a story into that which is fine uh braun breaker comes to the ring in street clothes to talk to us in street clothes he briefly puts over the veterans from the black and gold team but calls out champa specifically uh he says that he and champa are one and one and he wants are they well he's counting that's what i said you're counting winning a war games match involving however many other people as beating champa Right, which is kind of silly. Did he even pin Champa? I think so. That's what I was trying to remember, yeah, too. Yeah,
1: but even then, I still I still wouldn't count that, even if so he did. So by
0: his heel logic, even though he's not a heel, he deserves a third match. Well,
1: he was a heel for, like, that match, I guess? He was, like, but now uh, this is
0: him saying, hey, I was just a heel for that match. I'm not anymore, kind of thing, which I also thought was kind of lame. That's just such a mess. So he wants a third match for the championship. Uh, Bivens and Diamond Mine minus Roderick Strong interrupt. Bivin says that the weight limit is gone from the cruiserweight title. I guess officially now. So Roder- it's
1: not a cruiserweight title. Right
0: at that point. So f- name it something else. Uh, so uh, so Roderick stupid. Strong wants to face Braun Breaker, and of course Braun Breaker Wait. has to treat this as a joke because it's a veteran hold and veteran suck. Hold on. Hold yes. on.
1: So right, he said the, the 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 weight limit's gone from a cruiserweight title, so he can face Braun Breaker right i know that the title match or that match so is not a title match i've seen it advertised it's oh, not it's a title not? match
0: interesting that would make sense because my thing is breaker's not going to lose but i don't think they want to put a title on him because he's going for the main unless he's unifying them and getting rid of something i don't That's know That's stupid too um so breaker treats basically this as a joke bivens makes the challenge for next week and breaker accepts the challenge and leaves So I thought Bivens was good here. Breaker made the diamond mine look like geeks, basically, as he kind of just brushed them off, treated them like a minor annoyance and no real threat to him at all. So I guess the cruiserweight title officially has no weight limit, it sounds like.
1: So what's the point?
0: And I said, imagine if they had an authority figure that could legitimize these types of things and maybe announce them officially, right? Instead of just... The characters on the show, the inmates running the asylum, just deciding willy-nilly who's facing who and what it's for and what the weight limits are. Like, there's no authority Only figure waiting they used to have on
1: one that was really good. Right.
0: At this point, the talent just make decisions whenever and however they feel like it. I find it kind of annoying because it doesn't feel realistic. This isn't how companies work. This isn't how businesses work the employees don't just decide like when they're working and who they're working with right then which is basically what's happening here so it bugs me uh it yeah it's just not a reflection it's more of this like cartoonish childish sort of tone that nxc 2.0 has that is so frustrating to me we then get a summary of the msk quest to find the shaman and we're gonna meet the shaman tonight oh my god (laughs) what an amazing reveal we're in for so grizzled young veterans are then on commentary as the creeds of diamond mine are defeated handily by briggs and jensen so this frustrated me as well uh imperium interrupts as the match is starting they're standing in the crowd watching and here was a new development the crowd is repeatedly chanting the theme for Imperium. So they're getting over, kinda like they did for Fandango and kind of like they who Fandango was on N W A by the way. He yeah, just he showed was. up in NWA. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway. So the ref, my note in the middle of this is really the referee enforced holding the tag rope rule on the, um, the Creed brothers, which I felt <laughs> thought was really strange, but it all comes back around. So Jensen gets dominated, grizzled young veterans steal the, I call them the rednecks because I don't know what else, I'm tired of saying Jensen and Briggs. So the Grizzled Young Veterans steal the tag rope. Plus, I feel rope, like they
1: have to have a stupid name at this point.
0: Steal the tag rope from the corner of the Rednecks as Briggs leaves his corner. So Jensen can't tag out. So you think, oh, this is how the um, they're going to lose. But no, it doesn't matter anyways. Because basically Jensen accidentally knocks Briggs off of the apron and then just rolls up one of the creeds for the win anyways in about six minutes. So... This had potential for me, right? Because I've sort of liked the Creed Brothers and you've got this contrast of the brawlers in Jensen and Briggs taken on the amateur wrestlers and that's kind of interesting, but it was it J- deep?
1: Jokes on you for thinking it be th- There was decent. a little
0: bit of back and forth before the tag rope stupidity just took everything away from this. I can't remember the tag rope rule being enforced ever in NXT. I could like, be wrong. Like never
1: this much like and- it's at least acknowledged, I feel like
0: and the Creeds look bad in the process here because they got pinned by a guy that they just had beaten up for quite a while who literally couldn't even tag out his partner. So this match had my interest and then lo- they lost it because I thought they booked it kind of stupidly here. And honestly, Diamond Mine was starting to get a bit of momentum, right? But this week, they've already taken two steps back. Now they're
1: back to where they were when they released Tyler right? Rust. So
0: Breaker treats them as a joke and then the Redneck tag team sort of beat them even though there's people cheating on... The Creed's behalf, and they still lose to these guys. So I was annoyed by this. Yeah, I
1: don't blame him for thinking they're a joke. They don't have Tyler Rust.
0: That's true. Um, So Mackenzie is then talking to Von Wagner. He says a couple of awkward sentences about his war games just beginning, and the camera pans to the left to show Robert Stone they're taking notes or something on his phone. So I don't know if this is... Because let's be honest von wagner needs someone needs if anyone needed someone to talk for them it's this guy right right? everything he says is terrible and robert stone's really good but i just don't see them fitting together at this point the way their characters are presented but it looks like something's going to happen here or i'm sure it's just robert stone's going to get absolutely killed by von wagner or something but anyways um literally we're going to get to see the new hair of duke hudson next (laughs) mm-hmm And I hate that they think they've built anticipation for this juvenile reveal of a guy's hair, right? Because who really cares? Me, me, And who the shaman is is another one. Like, I don't care. But they're acting like these are like...
1: Oh, the shaman. Get
0: ready for these amazing reveals, right? Exclusively
1: um, on NXT 2.0.
0: Zion Quinn takes a break from shadow boxing to th- say things about Escobar ahead of their match tonight. Nothing of consequence. This is how quickly... I give them about as much attention as they deserve. Maybe more so than still, right? I should probably pair it back I'd like to more. think I give them as much attention as they <laughs> yes, deserve. by not watching it at all. <laughs> Duke Hudson comes to the ring, and he has just taken an angle that really, really worked well for Kurt Angle. So he's wearing a Hat blonde angle. a well, blonde wig, because why would he find one that matches his natural hair color, right? Just, I guess, extra funny, because it's blonde. Ha ha. So no, because Kurt
1: Angle did it good, because not only was a wrestling headgear, but it was it's like... It's Kurt
0: Angle. And he's amazing, and he's hilarious, and he's funny, and he's a good actor. And 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 his
1: actual hair color.
0: So uh, Hudson is denying that Grimes ever shaved his head at all. Grimes comes out to interrupt, obviously. And then this is where Hudson puts on headgear, so now it's 100% the Kurt Angle gimmick, as Grimes is sort of talking about the history between the two. Hudson is mad that Grimes cheated and pulled his trunks in the win. Grimes basically says that he knows who he is, and he's accepted it. He challenges Duke to a no-holds-barred match. What? The guy that won the match with the stipulation previously is asking for another match with a different stipulation? Why? Anyways.
1: To make you suffer.
0: Hudson accepts the match, tries to attack Grimes, but Grimes is obviously ready, and Hudson ends up having to retreat. So again, help me understand here, Grimes wins the hair-versus-hair match, and now he's challenging the man he beat decisively in that match to another match with a different stipulation. That makes sense to you.
1: Um, yeah that how wrestling yes, and works? and here's why the show's stupid.
0: So Hudson's trying to do what Kurt Angle did, and when Angle did it, it was hilarious. But I don't know if any who needs to hear this. Duke Hudson is not Kurt Angle. So, <laughs> so I mean, contrary to popular belief, this man is not Kurt Angle, who I would put up a few of Kurt Angle's years as the greatest years of any wrestler I've ever seen um in ring and outer ring so this just kind of came off as ridiculous and and nonsensical to me (laughs) right that's a hot take as they say (laughs) Duke Hudson less than Kurt Angle
1: right exactly yeah yeah.
0: so Briggs and Jensen are backstage celebrating this segment my god I actually wanted you to watch this because it was so stupid um they're celebrating their win and jacket time interrupt and join them the Grizzled Young Veterans also come in, and they are sort of taking credit for... I think for I saw this. Maybe. Ta- They're taking credit for Briggs and Jensen winning the match, even though that, I don't think, was their intention. And then, just because there's not enough going on here in this few seconds, uh, Casey Catanzaro and Caden and Carter walk through with two extra concert tickets, and Briggs and Jensen want the tickets, so they follow Catanzaro and Carter off screen, leaving Grizzled Young Veterans and Jacket Time. They start to brawl for no apparent reason... As the napping former Mei Ying is who's now like in a onesie napping in the background of NXT 2.0. Because that makes sense and that's good TV. It's funny. So she pops up behind the counter to basically end the segment. This was just awful. This was NXT throwing a million things together and hoping something out of it works. Uh, It didn't and I was just annoyed and confused by this. It was just like here's a million things going on at once. We're not going to develop any of them. And here's a former character now in pajamas taking naps in the background. And that's what we're watching. Nickelodeon, that's what I'm saying. This is not for me, Um, but I'm still watching it for some reason. I got problems. Yeah, you have no self-dignity or self-respect. Grayson Waller is shown hitting on a woman outside, but she is turning him down because she already has a date with L.A. Knight, and they get into his car and drive off. Knight said something. I forget what it was exactly at the end of this. Oh, you need something, views and something, views and likes, or check out this view as he drives away. And Waller's obviously left to swear revenge against that crazy LA Knight. But Grayson Waller's going to be a busy guy by the end of this show. I don't know if you heard what happened, but... No, I know. He's going to get busy. So we get Dexter Loomis, then it takes on Carmelo Hayes, and actually... Dexter Loomis wins this match by DQ after Trick Williams sort of gets involved. Um, Hayes in this was selling injured ribs. He had tape on it from War Games. And Loomis is selling an injured hand because it got stomped in a chair. I think it was last week or the week before.
1: No, I think it was like a few weeks ago. I, I was when I watched. So, so he's
0: still selling the hand. Um, Williams at every turn is sort of trying to sell being afraid of Dexter Loomis throughout this, although he's not very convincing. Because guess what, Trick Williams. Williams isn't good at anything involved <laughs> with professional wrestling, right? um Loomis has the silence locked in too close to the ropes here. Williams just comes up as he walks along from the floor and punches Loomis in the face <laughs> for the DQ, and then Loomis briefly gets the silence. Because
1: he's also stupid, like does he not know how it works? <laughs> I think
0: he just didn't care, right? Um, so he briefly puts the silence on Trick Williams before the heels end up retreating. This was not a great match. This was about as weak a match as Carmelo Hayes has had, I think, other than maybe one or two in the tournament that was just lackluster from top to bottom. Oh, so
1: that tournament. I totally forgot. The
0: problem is, right, Loomis's character doesn't really sell anything. So he's supposed to have an injured hand for this match, but his selling of it isn't good. And he kept using it to punch Carmelo Hayes anyway, so it really didn't work. The match was really slow for a Carmelo Hayes match, sorry. I didn't find it very interesting, and the non-finish didn't help either. It's just a way to set up them facing again, and all of these feuds seem to be just lingering and setting up repeat matches, which is really recent strategy on main roster, right? So it's trickling down to this now. I don't think it's a good thing. So MSK meet the shaman, and surprise, surprise, it's Matt Riddle.
1: Which I I remember when we were talking where you talked to last week, I was like oh it's probably like Arby, Robin it's, Dam or Riddle it's some
0: known pot smoking uh, like WWE I person I said right? Riddle
1: as a joke and yeah. they actually did that which yep. I'm just I'm so disappointed in them
0: so MSK's reaction is over the top childish ridiculous and annoying Then they're sitting cross-legged in front of Candles, and they're summarizing their time in NXT, basically. They talk about being the victims of like early success. They got to the top so quickly, and now they've fallen from the top, and they don't quite know what to do. And then I think Riddle implies that he's going to stay with them to help them out. So I don't know if he's doing a run in NXT right now or what's going on, but he implied he's going to be with them still. He picked a terrible
1: time. So then it becomes
0: like, hey, what's in the bag? What's in your bag of drugs? I was
1: like, I I knew that was going to happen. I was like, oh my God.
0: And so they open up the bag and they see what's in it, but we don't. And Riddle's thrilled by the contents of the bag. And my 11-year-old was in the room for this. And he literally says, man, this is cringy, right? And he's right, because it is. Um, So then Mandy Rose of Toxic Attraction is sort of talking very rudely about how they're ready to deal with things on their own like real women. They are real women, and the rest are fake women. So they mock Cora Jade and her skateboard, and demand that Vic stop drooling as he's looking at them. Ah. And then he makes some comment about there's only one woman in NXT that makes him drool because I think he's dating somebody. Can you check that?
1: Mackenzie Mitchell. There
0: you go. So he talks Why about. Why I remember? He says there's only one person on this car or in this roster that makes me drool or something. I'm so
1: disappointed in myself that I remember. Right.
0: Uh, Persia Parada's is glad that Indy Hartwell can have her back on their team now that Dexter is is back and seemingly basically healthy. So Hartwell says she is still committed to their team. Good thing he doesn't have an injured hand. But then Loomis shows up and Indy Hartwell sort of jumps into his arms selling that she's still going to be distracted by her relationship with Indy Hartwell or with Loomis, (laughs) sorry. Johnny Gargano then pops up and just says that he's glad to have the family back together. So it's like they're teasing they're teasing this breakup of Parada and Hartwell when um they have almost no history in nxt and have accomplished nothing right so breaking up a team that's done nothing doesn't really have any impact for me
1: well i mean it must be good considering they just did that
0: (laughs) and they keep telling us how close these two are and how much history they have but they never show us anything it's like hey we're from the same country so we've known each other a long time okay great but you've done nothing here um And then India is still doing the comedy thing with Loomis and it's really old and I just don't like it. It's not for me, as I like to say. So Toxic Attraction, the two underlings, J.C. Jane and whatever the other one's name is. um, Gigi Dolan. There you go. Thank you. They defeated the Leone and Valentina Faraz. Um, So Gigi has her ribs taped for this because everyone in War Games has to have tape on them. And Jane has her arm taped. Um, Leon basically really did get an extended flurry here with actually a nice running Samoan drop I thought looked pretty violent Faraz tags in, continues the flurry for a bit but then takes a boot Faroiz, sorry um, I still hate that to boot to the face from JC Jane and gets pinned after less than 4 minutes I mean, this was okay wasn't great, the faces got a decent amount of action for a 4 minute match so I guess it was okay enhancement match nothing special, standard NXT so Mandy, after this, gets on the mic. She talks about Toxic Attraction having all the gold and she knows everybody wants a shot at them. They will not run from anyone. Oh, uh-huh, a
1: shot at them, you said. I uh-huh. find the
0: whole we're super heels but fighting champions, that disconnects for me, right? Like, we're heels but we'll fight anyone Especially because
1: I don't think they're that type of heel. I think there is room for that type of heel. But they're like, not it. Maybe Car- Carmelo Hayes even, but like, it's definitely not them.
0: Right, so... They make an open challenge and specifically name Jade, Io, and Gonzalez along the way. So Cora Jade comes so it's to the really
1: t- an open challenge if they want to challenge specific people.
0: Cora Jade comes to the top of the ramp with a mic of her own and she's in a sling from War Games because oh everyone's selling things. Although she that makes sense, because she basically sold her arm dislocating and being popped it's back still in. Stupid. So she points out that she's beaten Mandy Rose and that her team won at War Games, which is very true. Um, things look like they're about to escalate. Gonzalez runs in and clears the ring of toxic attraction with the chair that she brought with her. I thought this was nothing special. And I, again, I'm not sure I love that the heels are presenting themselves as fighting champions. These, You're right. Their brand of heel doesn't make sense to me doing that. Um, but I guess it'll work for me if they end up weaseling out of these matches, right? Saying they want the matches and then sort of getting out of them somehow. That would be okay for me. Gonzalez and Jade feel a lot like Wagner and Kyle O'Reilly teaming up like it doesn't really make sense and it's just like we need to put a veteran which is weird to say Gonzalez is a veteran now but she is right relative to the rest Hmm. so they're just putting them together doesn't really make sense to me and I don't really want to see them together for me Gonzalez is beyond mentoring a rookie and being in a tag team she's a single star at this point. Should be presented. She already did such. that with Dakota Kai, but, which was right. great,
1: but like she already did that.
0: So this is seems like they're just using her as the, the veteran. Right. Um so Tiffany Stratton segment, she was oh, a gymnast. Yeah. She was a high level gymnast. Daddy paid for the finest training. <laughs> she ended up on Team USA, which is probably true. So uh, I guess she's a, an elite athlete, which is good to know. She's but also her,
1: daddy's girl.
0: her daddy told her she's too good to be on a team. She
1: can't even say like her father, her daddy right.
0: and that basically the NXT women's championship is better than a like an Olympic gold medal. Mm, dis- uh, disagree. not
1: in not in this time. but
0: that's okay. Uh, so I guess at least she has a strong athletic background. so maybe she has potential to be do something cool. but it might be hard for her to overcome this gimmick, this character. It feels like it could be sort of like a career killer, like, I don't know. Nobody seems too high on this gimmick. And I really don't have much faith that NXT... I don't know why
1: you would be unless your name's Bruce Pritchard, Vince McMahon, or someone right? else that's weird.
0: Someone in their 50s that is sort of liking this idea somehow. Uh, I don't think NXT will do anything good with this. Tony i don't D'Angelo, think they'll do anything
1: good with anything oh speaking of good
0: tony d'angelo talks to mckenzie about his team's win at war games he has pete dunn's mouthpiece in a glass display case because remember he ripped it out of pete dunn's mouth that is
1: incredibly disrespectful and
0: andre chase interrupts chase says d'angelo should have followed his game plan d'angelo ends up threatening him and they're gonna have a match next week so oh. i can barely watch d'angelo um doing anything he's just so cheesy and over the top and just stereotypes on top of stereotypes in a bad way this is he's not entertaining at all um and on at this point andre chase is boring too because it's the same thing every time he's going to challenge somebody and lose before their real feud pays off and so he's just in a holding pattern and he's really boring too one of the things kind of you thought had potential he's just doing the same thing and here i'm going to challenge you and lose and that's what he does mm-hmm. Santos Escobar makes his entrance with Legato heading into a commercial break that includes an ad for SmackDown. The only reason I make note of that, guess who's shown in this ad for SmackDown? Von Wagner. Hit Row. (laughs) Well done. Missed that one, editors. Good job. Cora Jade is backstage with Gonzalez. Jade uh, presents a scenario where she could become champion. Gonzalez basically tells her to slow down and that if anyone has a shot at the title, it's going to be Raquel... Kaylee Ray shows up and gives her bat to Cora Jade, since she may need it more than Kaylee Ray. So, and then something, what are you going to do without the bat? I think Jade says, and Kaylee Ray, don't worry, I have a lot of them, or something like that. I don't Uh, know. So this seems like there's sort of a big sister, little sister vibe between Jade and Gonzalez. I didn't hate it, to be honest. Um, Jade's delivery is not very good, but she's basically a child at this point, right? Learning how to act in front of cameras, so I don't have a lot of expectation for her. She's 20 years old and new to this. I thought Gonzalez seemed pretty natural here, so I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Uh, Santos Escobar then actually picked up a win, if you can believe it. He defeated Zion Quinn in the final match of the night. I don't call it the main event because there's a segment after this. So again, we get the constant sexual tension between Lopez and Quinn. It's just sort of looks and glances that commentary have to point out to us because we're too stupid to notice on our own, right? So... God forbid anything be subtle in WWE. Here we'll club you over the head with it if you missed it. Commentary commentary will repeatedly tell you what's going on. Escobar hits a really big Hurricane Rana from the top. Lopez then slips brass knuckles onto Quinn's hands as he's lying on the mat, kind of near the ropes. Afterward, so I was like, "Huh, what's going on here?" Wild jumps up on the apron to alert the ref of the brass knuckles that are on Quinn. Quinn shoves him off the apron, but then Quinn sort of turns around into the high knee from Escobar and the phantom driver, and Escobar picks up the win after 10 and a half minutes, so they're they're starting to expand the time that these uh, new guys sort of get in matches. So not a very good main event, if you want to call it that, by any stretch of the imagination. Quinn was in control of this early with really basic plodding offense that was just not very interesting. Obviously better when Escobar gets in control because he's awesome. But even then, it's that classic. He, I think he's limiting what he's doing here too so that this rookie isn't in over his head, right? He can't move as quickly or do all the things he would against somebody like if he's taken on O'Reilly or something, right? Or done. Um, add to that the constant Lopez situation with commentary, making sure they tell us was a bit distracting. And the screwy finish, I think you get a lackluster main event here, Definitely. And I guess the intrigue is supposed to be was Lopez trying to help Quinn because of their like interest in each other or was she setting him up to get DQ'd, right? I guess that's what we don't really know here because she puts the knuckles on him and then um Wild is up going, "Look, look, he's trying to cheat, he's trying to cheat," right? So I don't know if they're working together or if she was actually trying to help right. Zion. And I guess I'm... I
1: assume she was trying to help him, but I don't care enough to actually care right. like, more.
0: I guess I'm supposed to care more than I do about it, but anyways. So Diamond Mind then run into Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams in the parking lot. Hayes <gasps> says that you can't the discuss the parking lot. Yeah, you can't discuss the champion in NXT without mentioning Carmelo Hayes. He knows how good Roderick Strong is, but the one thing he isn't is the A champion. He throws a towel at Bivens and walks away as Bivens is upset about about people around here being so disrespectful. Thought it was fine, nothing special. I don't really have much to say about it. Then we get Boa. So he's talking about Edris, uh, Idris, I forget what it was I- Enofe. Enofe or yes. whatever. So he's basically saying that once he's harnessed his powers of the whatever absorbed Mei Ying or whatever's going on here, it will mean doom for Enofe, who has no idea what he has ignited and they will have a match last week that... Or sorry, next week. Can't go back in time, unfortunately. <laughs>
1: they will have a match last week.
0: A, a match next Come week on, that man, doesn't you're an English interest teacher. me at all. And I'm sure... I, my assumption is that Boa is going to struggle to harness this power for a while and probably keep losing until he figures out how to master using the absorbed <laughs> soul of Mei Ying, which <laughs> Wait, I don't no, know. But I thought, I thought
1: Tian Sha was a soulless being.
0: Hard to say with a straight face. So Johnny Gargano comes to the ring to address his situation by not addressing his situation at all. <laughs> God. So great, great way to put it. He's allowed to go as long as he wants tonight, he says, since Chucky isn't following this episode of NXT, so there's no they get an overrun, I guess is what he's saying. Well so he gets lots of crowd chants as he starts because he's very over obviously with this crowd
1: Johnny Ressling.
0: he says that he regrets that he didn't enjoy his time at nxt more because he was always so worried about whether he was good enough and he wanted us as fans to always have the best he talks about his first wwe tryout where he was told he would never be in nxt he didn't have the best genetic gifts was brought back for a dark match by William Regal and the crowd just kept chanting for him. So he was back every week despite not having a contract of addressing that addressing his future,
1: he's talking about the past.
0: Yeah, so I liked all of this though, right? Like, this is fine. But he's supposed to be telling us what he, what's happening next, which he doesn't. But anyways, he doesn't know what his future holds. Thanks. Even though the whole <laughs> point was that you were going to tell us that. Uh, that's up in the air. But his most important job begins in February as he becomes a father. So Daddy. Then Grayson Whoa. Waller comes out here and attacks out of nowhere with a chair before throwing Gargano out of the ring. He then follows him out, puts Gargano's head into the chair, and runs runs him into the ring steps, right? So again, just like Kyle O'Reilly had to be potentially written off because he's not, maybe not signing, this is them, I guess, writing off Gargano as well. Or he can come back and feud with Waller, I guess. Waller then... Power bombs Gargano through the announce table and says that this is his house and not Gargano's anymore. Waller stares at Johnny Gargano as he lays face down on the floor to end this show. So I thought Johnny spoke really well here, and I'm no, I am no—I have no problem with using Waller this way. He got a ton of heat for this attack. It looked pretty vicious. It looked pretty good, and it makes sense for Johnny to try and create a star, at least on his way out, if that's what they're trying to do here. Waller's already among my favorites of the new crop, and he did look pretty vicious here. If Gargano is still around, I'm not quite sure how Waller balances right. The Night Feud and Gargano situation, because he's kind of got multiple things going on here. But That's I'm going to least assume of our worries. I'm going to assume Gargano's out of here, and this was just to write him off. I thought this was a fine segment, but to be honest, we learned absolutely nothing about Gargano's situation and his future, which is what we were led to believe and kept telling us and putting it in the main event spot, right? You assume you're going to get some sort of announcement when it was basically like Gargano going, I still don't know what the future holds. So it was not, it was like a bait and switch by WWE, right? Hey, find out about his future where he just says, I don't know about my future and then gets attacked. So anyways, that's what it was. Um. So overall, this seemed to be the episode of NXT where they decided to have some of the young talent move beyond the simple squash matches. And I can't say the results were very entertaining because both Wagner and Zion Quinn got 10 minute plus matches here. And they didn't make any like major mistakes. They also didn't do anything special and certainly didn't make their opponents look good. The Creed uh, and Redneck match, the women's tag match. And the Hayes Loomis match were the only other matches on this show, and none of them were really good. So, this was another really weak in ring show, I thought. Um, Despite there being fewer squash matches than previous, it still wasn't entertaining. We get underdeveloped characters and juvenile storylines that tend to just kind of linger too long are still dominating this program. It really feels like you're watching a less polished version of main roster now, and that is not a good thing, obviously. I find it intensely frustrating. This used to be the place in WWE where you could go to see wrestling, right? And now it's just another two hours of sports entertainment with cartoon characters and unrealistic stories. Every episode feels about the same, and none of them are good. I gave this one a. I'm gonna give it a D D+. Like I don't think this was a good show at all, and it's just frustrating watch for me. So I don't know why I keep doing it, but I do. So listeners, I if think you, you actually want, hate yourself. if you want me to keep suffering and doing this for you, I will. Just let me know. Um, the only other thing I wanted to quickly talk about is I did watch a lot of NWA hard times, too. I stopped, actually, I watched basically all of the undercard, and I saw a tiny bit of the Aldis-Latimer match, but everything before that, so really, really fast. The opening Rhett-Titus-Austin-Aries match for an NWA World Junior Heavyweight uh, qualifying match I thought was really good. Um, Just a fast-paced nine minutes, Aries picking up the win, Aries didn't quite look to be in like peak condition, but he's still really quick and really fluid in the ring. I thought this was a really entertaining opening match. It then moved into a tag team match with the OGK, which is Matt Taven and Mike Bennett, defeating Aaron Stevens and J.R. Kratos for the uh, ROH Tag Team Championships in about 11 minutes. I thought this was a standard effective tag match. It was the story of Aaron Stevens sort of embracing a more heel character and getting more vicious as Kratos has been trying to get him to do. So Kratos is very happy about this situation. There's Stevens just becoming embracing the full heel persona now. And I'm not usually a fan of Kratos because I see him all over um, independent stuff I watch. But I actually thought he looked pretty good here. He's like an indie big man kind of powerhouse guy kind of thing. Uh, then Colby Carino defeated Doug Williams, yes, that Doug Williams, in a nine-minute <laughs> yes, that super Williams. technical match that I actually really liked, and I'm sometimes I'm not a huge uh, super technical match fan, but I thought Doug Williams looked great here. He had some really cool arm work early on where he just like refuses to let go. It basically looks like Car- Carino's countering or whatever, but Williams is still just holding on to his wrist, which I thought was really cool. And then I told you... I was going to try and find it for you colby carino took one of the biggest forearms i can remember seeing so he goes for a suicide dive obviously to the outside and just gets caught with a vicious looking forearm like i rewound three or four times to watch this it looked fantastic so i really enjoyed that match as well then we get mickey james she successfully defended her impact knockouts championship against kiera hogan in another about nine minute match i really love the match length of the first several of this show um, long enough to get some good action but not so long that they dragged so this was a solid match too Hogan got quite a lot against the champion here but honestly my complaint and this sounds weird but Kiera H- Hogan's hair is a pro- a problem now it is so long that she spends so much time like fixing it and stuff right and if you're in an actual fight with someone you're not having anything that's going to distract you from it so just so much time her moving it out of her face and adjusting it that it really sort of took away from this for me but I thought um, this was a pretty solid match nonetheless, minus that complaint. This is where things sort of slowed down for me as we had Tyrus defeating Scion. So Scion was just going as like the mystery man before. I didn't know that he had picked up an actual name here. So Tyrus wins. This was an ODQ match um, for the NWA World Television Championship. Had the Pope as special guest referee. It went 15 minutes, which is far too long, I thought. Um, There was no way this match should have been 15% longer than some of the other matches already... Tyrus just isn't interesting to watch. He's just a very, very basic big man. It's just the story of his basic offense is more devastating because he's so big. I actually think Scion is a pretty talented wrestler, but this was just like a basic plunder match. It was pretty dull in a lot of it. Like I was using the five-second skip a lot and missing no moves. Like when I can five-second skip like six or seven times and I don't miss a move and I can do that repeatedly, that's probably a problem, I would say. The one positive I'll say is Austin Idol is, like, Tyrus's heel manager. And he is an awesome old-school heel manager. I quite enjoy him. So the other thing that annoyed me about this is Tyrus, like, they showed us. He vowed to win the match and unmask Scion. Then he wins the, max, the match. He had been going for the mask several times during the mask, but then forgets all about it after the match and just nothing comes of it. So I thought that was a bit of a miss as well um two other matches i saw chris adonis defeated judas have you ever heard of him mm. i had never had uh so he was with father james mitchell for this it was for the nwa national championship so uh, adonis uh defended the title in 11 minutes uh, this was another pretty boring match that sort of started with the match before this i'd never heard of judas before i was not impressed He's just a really standard big man and this match was a slog for me to get through if I'm being honest. Adonis has never been like a technical wizard and I just didn't think these two really produced much interesting in this match. The final match that I really watched was La Rebellion which is Bestia 666 666, and Mecha Wolf taking on and defeating actually The End who I've seen before in some indie places which is Odinson and Perro. So Odinson is this like really jacked younger very athletic guy. I noticed he slimmed down a bit cuz the last couple times I've seen him he reminded me of like a smaller warlord cuz you know warlord was one of like the biggest muscle guys ever, I think. So he, he looks like he's lost some muscle mass for some reason. I don't want to speculate on anything, but um, he looked a little leaner than I've seen him. Still a big ripped guy for sure. Uh, so this was just under eight minutes. And Odinson's honestly a really impressive athlete. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in a major promotion in the future. He's, he kind of ticks all the boxes of what a major promotion's going to want. This was a fast-paced match pitting like speed high-flying of the uh, champions against the massive power of the end. Pretty solid sprint to somewhat rebound from the previous two matches. And then I basically, that's where I stopped. I missed, it was Aldis Latimer. What were the other matches? Um, What's-His-Face against Murdoch?
1: Uh, uh, Mike Knox.
0: Mike Knox coming back against Murdoch. And then I Mm -hmm. forget what the other match I missed was. There were three matches, I think, that I didn't catch. But anyways, so the show started out really strongly for me. I was really enjoying the opening few matches. Then it, like, really got bogged down in the Tyrus match and the Adonis match. And then it sort of picked up with the tag match after. So I don't know. That's all I thought about that show. Do you have anything else for any other wrestling business? I do not. not. And do we have anything for figuring it out this week?
1: No, it's a slow week. Yeah, so there is
0: nothing on figuring it out. So does that mean we're done, I think? I believe so. Well, I guess that's going to bring us to the end of episode 73. And thanks to anyone who, you know, checks us out, listens to any or all of what we're putting out there. We really do appreciate it. Again, we'd love to hear from anybody. The State of Wrestling agree disagree with things we've reviewed opinions we had give us feedback on our actual the job we're doing putting out this podcast we'd love to hear anything from you uh is there anything going on i know ring of honor has a pay-per-view tonight i don't know if we'll get to it or talk about it so i won't
1: put that i out. don't remember no i don't i don't, I don't think, think there's so. anything
0: fancy coming out but we'll definitely be back here next saturday right for episode 74 of our flagship show as we like to call it so we hope to see you all back for that and until then take care